Shields up, Ironbreakers. We're kind of here coming at you with another episode of the Third Fleet Podcast. This is episode 51, and I'm here with Gaijin and Jacob because today we're going to have a special episode kind of dedicated to Monster Hunter Dose. Gaijin, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm still in the process of wakeup.exe, but <laughs> doing good. And Jacob, how are you doing, sir? I'm okay. Just got home from work, so I'm a little bit tired as well, but we'll we'll push through it. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna soldier on through. Um we have quite a quite a few topics in regards to Monster Nerd Dose to talk about, which is why we brought in the expert. I believe you have like a three hour and <laughs> three hours and thirty something minutes video of which I've watched the portion of which Gaijin has watched the entirety of, right, Gaijin? Yeah. I've watched it a few times. <laughs> A few times. I, I, it's fascinating I, to me. It's fascinating, absolutely fascinating. I, I have a. There's a couple people who have messaged me and they've said, "Yeah, we've watched it like a multiple times because they couldn't take it all in the first time." And every time they rewatch it, there's like more stuff because it's so packed. Yeah. Um, I, I should clarify though. Please don't call me an expert on Monster Two because there are people who are finding stuff that even I didn't know about, you know, the online portion of the game. My experience was entirely offline. And even then, the video was more of an examination of how the series has evolved. And using Monster Hunter 2 is basically an example of the extreme. That's all. Okay. But before we get into those topics, I just wanted to make sure that everybody's aware there's going to be lots of Monster Hunter conversation. I wanted to bring up two things that are a little bit off topic in regards to monster hunter number one youtube is finally on my end because up until up until like yesterday i could still see the dislikes despite them threat threatening like oh we're gonna turn we're gonna turn off the dislikes they finally turned it off and the website looks so incredibly different to me now have you guys like checked out videos now and the bar is gone yeah bar gone yeah, the bar, the dislike bar. So it's like the button is still there, oh, but you yeah, no yeah, longer yeah, see like no the bar of uh, of dislikes versus likes. You only know how many likes a video has received versus how many dislikes it has received. Yeah, it looks it looks bizarre. It's really weird. It's un <laughs> it's it's really unfortunate uh, because it sort of uh, gets rid of that whole. Th it protects people from like the the big corporations from criticism, yeah. which is the big talking talking point. I don't think uh, it does help uh, smaller people like myself, where I make a, a controversial video and I have a bad take in it, and I have lots of dislikes, and all those go away. But like uh, for the well being of YouTube, we really needed those dislikes. So it's like, particularly in your case, you're saying that every now and then you have some takes that get you a couple of dislikes. What would you prefer? Do you think that this is the solution? I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. I think that it is healthy to have dislikes um, because it does send a message to the content creator. Oh, hey, maybe this isn't the right direction to go. And even if maybe it's all misunderstood, maybe it was like a knee jerk reaction to go and click on dislike. Mm. There's still a conversation to be had no matter what. So, yeah, yeah. I, I like the dislike button a lot because, you know, it, it, it at least tells you. Hey, you might want to glance at the comments really quick just to see what the, dis the general discourse is. And you glance and you're like, oh, okay, this is just a controversial subject. Or, oh, okay, this is just yeah. the battle of memories. So, like, it's no big deal. But sometimes you look at it and you're like, you know, 
everyone just echoing like this is like factually inaccurate like this is propaganda or you know you get those occasional videos that are just absolutely just atrocious at least that it might give you a um an inkling we can it, um but, uh, we can still see it on the back end as creators it's just the audience themselves they can't see it and it's like i don't know i, I still don't like that that particular move i've had a couple of videos that were dislike bombed because people didn't like something that i said and i'm like i think it's good and i think it's good that those things are public so that people are aware. hey he said something a lot of people didn't like it well that's too bad you know not something there's always going to be something that i'm going to say that somebody's not going to like and it is what it is i i don't care at the end of the day i mean i do care people's opinion to a certain extent what i mean is i don't care that the bar is there as a matter of fact i shouldn't say i don't care i do care i care about the bar being there i think it's important and again like jacob said this is mostly at least in my eyes this is mostly about the corporations like youtube's like we don't like that you guys go and you dislike the trailer of the next call of duty Right. Well, it's like, why you mean, guys got to dislike they, bomb the next call? They pay us a lot of money for these ads, man. <laughs> like, the thing the is, point. is like they have they have a really elegant solution, which is to stop like the bots or whatever. Like just make a requirement that you have to watch the video for at least a minute, 60 seconds before you can hit like or dislike. And yeah. boom, like that would weed out most of the most people who are, are not that dedicated to trolling somebody. That they're gonna sit there and sit through sixty seconds of it to say I dislike it. That and mm. it's it's always been. I, you, I don't know about I that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I've always had a problem a where it took me a while to get over the fact that as a creator, you think that the dislike button means like okay, this video is is bad or it's produced bad or the content is 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 not good, and then you start making videos where you're like you know. You talk about something that you don't like, that other people don't like, and people hit dislike because they're like, yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> You're like, like, no, no, no. That's not how this works. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> the, the, the thing is also, like, you can still see it. At the end of the day, creators, yeah. we can still see it. So it, it doesn't really... It's not going to psychologically like, help anybody. Yeah. YouTube's like, we're shielding these smaller content creators. Like, you're still showing no, you're them not. the dislikes. You're not shielding anybody. You're shielding yeah. corporations so that they can bring in their their products and no, and nobody can really see if, if something is disliked or not. It's, I just think it's terrible for the website as a whole. And I think it was a terrible decision, but, you know, it is what yeah. it is. It's not like us talking about is going to make them change their mind. Uh, however, us talking about stuff does seem to make some people do some things now, doesn't it, Gaijin? Oh, yeah. <laughs> For better or worse. Did we did we well, kill the Soul Sacrifice Delta experience for everyone? I don't think we did. I, I, I'm much more optimistic than you are. But... Um, <laughs> So, so Jacob, you might know may not know about this, but I've been obsessed with oh, Soul Sacrifice Delta for the PlayStation Vita. Oh, I've heard, I've heard, I've seen, I've seen the videos, I've seen the videos. <laughs> I know. So it's like, Rui kind of can't help but laugh and say like, wait, what, what, you know, all of a sudden you've got someone on, you know, talking about the game. You've got a few new players coming in from you know overseas to play the game, and now all of a sudden Sony's like, oh, we're gonna shut those servers down. It's like it's let's, like they didn't even realize that there was a small like you know twenty cent cost they had going on, and all of a sudden they're looking at it like, oh we're paying twenty we're paying a dollar a month for that no 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 look let's not forget that at one point they just shut the servers down by mistake oh we made a mistake we shut the oh, servers yeah, down Europe. you remember that part 
It was just in Europe. I thought it was in Japan as well. No, it was just Europe. Yeah, they're like, oh, it was a mistake. Like they probably have one engineer, probably, who is put in charge of, you know, I feel bad for the guy or girl or whoever it was. Are they firing him? no, I, w- I hope not. No. Steve, no, not, Steve the PlayStation Vita no. engineer is getting I just, I, feel, I feel bad because it's kind of like you're telling somebody, okay, we've got like a whole ecosystem. We've got an intricate store, which was probably programmed really bad because back in the day that was like almost PS3 era stuff. Yep. And then you're like, we need you to remove the ability to use credit cards in the store from front end and back end. And it's kind of like, okay. They already had these plans of like just shutting everything down until everyone's like, no, don't do that. And so, you know, probably one person was put in charge of doing it, had no idea what the consequences would be. And then during that month, there was lots of issues. So like, for example, the the online, oh yeah, so the online did go down in Japan Ah. and everywhere globally for about a week. Then it went back up. And then all of a sudden we found out that certain countries in Europe went almost a month or so without being able to access the game when everyone else was able to. So I'm like, y'all need to bring this back up online. And to their credit, you know, I don't think my tweet had anything to do with it, but two days later it was back up. But <laughs> then they, but then they sucker punch and they say, we are closing our servers on December 24th. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Dude, MFs. You see, I, I think that this, this, this is just too much of a coincidence. Cause like, I feel like you and me, we started talking about it a lot. We brought Eric's in, into the podcast and like, Eric's let us sell you on this idea of soul sacrifice. And then more people, I, I like, I started getting a lot of um, mentions on Twitter People thought, oh man, thanks to you and Gaijin, I bought the game. Like, you probably got those as well. There were a lot of people buying the game. They started playing the game online. And I think that Sony started realizing, okay, we've been having this cost for how long now? We need to shut this down. This is it. Like, especially now these people are talking about it. They're crazy. Shut that stuff down right now. Yeah. I still still think it's just a joke. I I can't see that actually happening because I discovered and I, I spent some sleepless nights going through and you know, using all the Chinese character knowledge I know and translation tools and everything to go through. And I found out there's a very active Chinese community on Soul Sacrifice. Like, we're talking speedrunners who have gotten to floor 2,000 in the maze. Oh, God. I spent 190 oh. hours of pretty much one death and you're de- it's over. Um, and they've there's a group of over 120 of them that play online regularly, daily, and passionately. So I'm like, okay, there's we're nothing compared to like the drop in the bucket of everyone else playing. But I think it was more it's, they've been dying to do this, right? Yeah. Just because, and it's the holidays. Everyone's going to be focused on new releases, consoles that they can't buy. It's the perfect time to just do it right under the rug, especially given in North America and Canada, they don't even have a website for the game. They never did. It's like, they just <laughs> pretend it never existed. So it's like, you know, they don't have to really That's announce so it. Sad. So, oh, well. well, but you know what? I'll just say really quickly for anybody listening that the, if you want to know the deadline, so pretty much the game is still 99.99999% playable offline oh yeah. and it's fantastic. And it's got the NPCs are mode. better than most. And it's got an ad hoc. Um, the only thing that bothered me was that there's a few collaboration quests that they did that were really good that had some really good spells in there. And so those were accessed through the download download button inside the game. And that will probably be taken down. So I've 
it won't do anything, but I've tweeted out to Sony. I'm like, can you please just put that into the core data? And there's no way they're going to do it. But now listen, that's Sony, Dece December 24th is Sony, the date. Sony watched that podcast we did with Shepard. <laughs> they're listening to you very intently. Yeah. So just, I would just not say, in a good way. <laughs> if if you have to stretch it and you really wanted to play the game and you just want to push it, then I would say try to get it before December 24th. So you can get those. But if you can't, it's not the end of the world. Um, and I would still 100% recommend getting the game and playing it. So, Have you ever played uh, Soul Sacrifice Delta, Jacob? Uh, no, no, I've never heard of the, that. <laughs> Gadget is uh, technically the first time I heard of this series. When, so, when we started uh, talking about yeah. it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, when it, when it popped up and the subscription and you're talking about it, I'm like, oh, okay. Um but yeah, I don't think I have any interest in it. I it, it it looks cool. It looks cool, but I think that the aesthetics aren't really for me. So mm, I don't know about that. What do you think? <laughs> you think although I, I have one more question. Do do you being a third party, do you think it was Gaijin's fault that Sony's just like, mm, mm, I'm gonna shut this down. Uh, okay. From like a professional point of view, no. There's no way that like even just bringing in like a couple more fans into it to play it there's no way that like made them realize there was a server being used and they're all gonna shut it down i think that it was bound to happen eventually um it was it just happened to be a coincidence, it a coincidence. however it is pretty funny conspiracy theory <laughs> maybe maybe gaijin really is being listened to by a bunch of different people and <laughs> i don't know i don't know <laughs> It's I'm your, all for a conspiracy theory. It's it's your fault, Gaijin. It's all your fault. <laughs> I'm I'm over here like Vita. It means life, and they're like it means death. <laughs> it means life. We'll kill it. <laughs> we yeah. we determine what it means if it means life or death. <laughs> all anyway, right. we got we've got subjects way more interesting than Soul Sacrifice to talk about today. Yes. So the first thing that I gotta ask though. Jacob, you got to explain to me what this Pikmin thing is that you were working on, because I have no idea what that is. And I, as I was as I was trying to find information about you, I came across this oh. Pikmin rabbit hole, and I'm like, "What is this? Oh. <laughs> what uh, is going avoid the on? avoid the Pikmin Jake rabbit hole." Uh, so okay, like I'm 24 years old, uh, about 11 to 12, 13 years ago. So I was like in middle school, right? Damn. I was like 11. I wrote a Pikmin fan fiction, right? The Pikmin fan fiction uh, was just for fun. I was like, I want to put it online somewhere. The best way to go about it was the videos that I made. And then, like, over time, it just kept evolving. I got, like, I have, like, 60,000 subscribers on that channel. I've got a good amount of views. At the time, like, that medium of storytelling was really popular. So my Pikmin fan fiction really blew up. And it was, like, this super, like, crazy, esoteric... Like think like, like apoc like like apocalyptic like biblical texts, but it's like a Pikmin fan fiction. <laughs> like it's really it's really nuts. It's really nuts, and it's all done through like Pikmin toys. Anyway, uh, I've I've been like I'm done with that. And I the last episode I made was like last Christmas, and even before that, the last episode was the Christmas before that. It was like I was really ready to like move on. I was too busy with like everything else I was doing and the Monster Hunter channel that like it's 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 done now it's finally done but i was holding on to it pretty hard into the later years of of my teenage life and up into my 20s so 
I, f- I find it just um, extremely creative that you were doing that stuff. You're saying 12. So you were like 13 years old, 14 years old recording this I started stuff when and- I was like 11. Uh, well, I like That's- I wrote the story when I was like 11. And then it ca- and then like around when I was 12 or 13, I started recording the episodes. And there's like there's like 200 episodes. It's like 48 hours of content. <laughs> and if you watch it from beginning to end, it's like a space epic. Like, it, it, like, there's times where, like, it really gets crazy. But again, it's it's just for kids. And it was it was in a dying... It's a really dying medium. Like, no one makes videos like that anymore. Netflix, come on, get it's, on. It's like... No, it's just... The, the reason I'm asking because I'm just fascinated because, like, I remember when I was 12, I remember, like, burying G.I. Joes in the yard or something, like, doing some, <laughs> some completely dumb... Writing out stories. And then Jacob over here, yeah, when I was 11, I wrote out this massive epic fanfic, and then I made videos about it, and I'm like, I'm so incredibly jealous. I wish I was that creative when I was, like, 12. So that's friggin' awesome, dude. Thank you. It's just, I I, I ran into this, like, page. Because, again, I was just trying to look for information to DM you because your Twitter DMs are not open. And I I ran into, like, the the YouTube wiki page or whatever, and it said, retired YouTuber. I was like, retired? What is this? The same? <laughs> this is so weird. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was, it was some funny stuff. You probably you probably found the wiki pa- the yeah. wiki pages. That's a rabbit hole. That's really a rabbit hole. Yeah, I figured as much. I was like, I'll I'll just I'll just shoot him like a mention on Twitter, and I'll, I'll figure it out from there. I, yeah, good I, idea. I, I quit idea. trying to look for like some other way of content. <laughs> it's like I quit. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's for the best. And I opened my DMs. I don't know why they were closed. I thought they were open. Like people have DM me before, so I, I guess maybe and I closed them. I think them it's, I think it's like mutual follows can DM you, but maybe, but people maybe that's that what it weren't was. following you or that you aren't following, they probably can't DM you. That's probably why. But anyways, tell us about uh, those. Me, like, like g- give us an opening. Like, well, let me, here. let me, let Wait. me give a quick opening sort of uh, here we like go. why we've Deep been, dive. we've, we've been eager to talk with you. For a while. Oh, awesome! And um, for those who missed this, um, at least from my end, how it started was I just came across your your epic long YouTube video, which was again it was three hours and twenty three minutes, where you did a very deep dive into uh, Monster Hunter Dose, like a review in two thousand twenty one, which I thought was a like it was amazing because I had never played Monster Hunter One or Monster Hunter Dose, especially Dose. Um, and so you went through comparing it, but you were basically giving a video essay. It seemed like a very long work of love, um, talking about how the genre changed, you know, after dose. Right. And it was, it was, we'll, we'll jump into the specifics as I want to pick your brain on it, but you bring up all these scenes about how monster hunter was going in one direction and then they kind of shifted and it, it, it wasn't quite the same afterwards, obviously looking at sales, I think it proved to be the right choice from a, a, yeah. a company perspective, but it's also a type of game that was beloved, I know, and also by, you know, it was very niche, but it was also, it could only exist at that time. And it was a fascinating yeah. hearing. And even just, I don't even, I want to know how you captured some of this stuff, like being able to see some of the game. Like I've never seen that stuff. So it's like, it was fascinating to me. And so I remember, and I have to apologize because I remember sharing it online. I'm like, guys, you guys have to watch this. This is so fascinating. And then I started looking at some of the comments on the video. I'm like, oh my yeah. good God. Like people, this is not a 
you know, like, well, I don't agree. This was too long for me. I'm like, that's not the point, guys. This is this is someone's deep dive into the, you know, how the genre was different. It's fascinating. So I felt really bad that there was people who just didn't seem to connect with it, maybe like in that way. But I think there's a lot of people who I've talked to who said they have seen the video and they, they thought it was fascinating. So that that's what kind of started. And it just the algorithm was kind and, and very kindly showed me your video. And I was happy it did. And so ever since I've been like, oh, my God, I want to talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, I mean, when I posted the video, you commented on it pretty quick. I think it was in the, within like the first few days. And then you, you made like a Twitter post and uh, I was like, oh, wow, people are liking it. I looked at like the Twitter replies and someone is like, I hate his voice. Uh, <laughs> I hate the way that he pronounces. I hate the way that he pronounces DOS or DOS. I, I mean, like, who cares? Right. Uh, or then like someone's like, oh, I hate his clickbait thumbnail. Uh, because yeah it is clickbait like it says at the thumbnail like oh it's better than rise and world but like at the end of the video i say no this game sucks like there's a lot of objective problems with this game i play world and rise over this game um but uh yeah i think that there were a lot of comments that are were pretty intelligent and they did acknowledge and i've since like agreed that there is critical flaws with the video um I'll just go over the thesis because yeah. you mentioned it. It was about how the genre has changed. And I have I have like a few notes so I don't mess this up. So uh, I, I should preface by saying that my thoughts are radical. My opinions are radical. I want everyone watching this to know or listening, I should say. Uh, but the basic thesis of my video originally uh, was basically saying that Monster 1 and Monster 2, which was more of an exaggeration of one, uh, I consider them a different genre, and I labeled that genre as, like, survival, more survival-focused, and that because they were a different genre than the rest of the series, I called those two games True Monster Hunter, while the rest of the games I called Monster Hunter Portable. Like, they, the, the philosophy that the portable games took changed the genre. Um, the, basically, I said that it was more like survival because all the features within the game, which then I list the features, which is why it's, like, three hours, so I have to go through the entire game, and how the quest loop system works. And by explaining that, I basically came to the conclusion, oh, it's kind of like like a weird Monster Hunter Resident Evil game where it's like there's survival elements. Well, it must be a, more of a survival game. Um, which people have since told me, like, no, it's never meant to be a survival game. And I'm like, I never said it was meant to be a survival game, but there are elements that mimic a survival game, which is why I uh, ultimately even, came to that conclusion. Even if you, like, look, even if you like, look at some of the older Monster Hunter games, there are kind of like some survival elements to it. Like if you go back to Freedom Unite, you are actually working on a farm that provides you with yep. the resources. And I'll be honest, I miss that farm. Like I know that a lot of people don't yep. care for it. They prefer like, oh, I go in there and I trade my things at the bazaar or at the whatever it's called in, in World and the yeah. and here it's what it's the submarines or whatever the the, the argosy is like <laughs> it's very yeah. yeah it is like i really miss like going down it's like no i'm gonna plant some herbs here then i'm gonna collect them and then i'm gonna go get some honey it was a nice little break in between hunts unless you were doing multiplayer you wouldn't really go there but when you were solo it was a nice little break in between hunts you go in there you get some materials you do some potions and whatever and and that in and of itself is survival aspect and the survival aspect is the limited amount of pickaxes because you had to bring certain amount of pickaxes you had different qualities of pickaxes like you you tell someone that started with world a mega pickaxe and be like what the hell is a mega pickaxe what <laughs> like, they won't know what a mega pickaxe is and i mean you know, so that's that's the yeah go ahead, go ahead. i'm sorry 
No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, that's what's interesting is that, like, I came in at a later point in the series where there was yet another pivot, mm -hmm. I felt, you know, even further away from the hunting genre, which they call it in Japan. They, they literally say hunting as the genre. Yeah. And it was very much the case, and that's the reason why it was so beloved was because it was so, not realistic, because that's just a stupid word, but, you know, it... <laughs> You know, you got hungry. You lost stamina. There was consequence. You cared. You cared as much about the environment and the world that you were in as you were the monster you were hunting, right? And it was like, yeah, it was a whole immersive experience. Um, the point and how deep it got with those, like, we'll get into that. Like, I had no idea. I was like, whoa. Like, I mean, you take like I thought second gen from portable onward and third gen. I thought those were like kind of like wow, it was like a hunting genre. And then from fourth gen. I started feeling it would start moving into the action game territory. I'm like, okay, this is like, they're starting to strip away the the more peculiar parts of the game and they're streamlining it into an action game. And that undoubtedly helped it take off in the West. But like th this, this goes even further. Like I, I was really surprised. But the thing is like in Japan even, I noticed like the point that you're saying that it was, it was just a very different approach and a very different philosophy behind the gameplay loop. Um, I noticed it even in the marketing materials here, like one and two seem to have been marketed and been talked about for very different ways than it did before Portable came out. Um, so I, I found it really interesting. So you say survival. I think in Japan they call it hunting, um, where now I would argue it's at this point it's an action game. But um, yeah. I, I, I was going to mention, uh, so then, since then, I have been wanting to revise my thesis, and actually I'm planning a follow-up video that'll be on Monster Hunter 4, but um, until that happens, I'm still writing it. Until that happens, uh, this I'm, I'm going to try and explain where my new sort of thesis is, because before I basically said that Monster Hunter 1 and 2 were a different genre, and that I called them, like, true Monster Hunter, but I don't think that that's really fair. People have argued that, like, well, true Monster Hunter would be what it is now we would we like a, a more appropriate thing to say would be that monster Hunter one and two were just first installment like oddities like they're it's not like proto they weren't monster, true monster Hunter. Hunter. yeah they weren't they were like test subjects like they weren't like the true like you would call monster world and rise like true monster hunter which uh, i mean that's up to debate that's up to yeah. personal yeah. opinion so instead my new thesis is rather that monster Hunter two was just a black sheep that we could basically gauge the spectrum uh, I'm not gonna have my webcam on in your in the in the actual video <laughs> version of this, uh, but I'm gonna try and basically imagine like a graph, right? And uh, like all the Monster series are on the graph. Uh, Monster One would be the baseline; it would be zero. So Monster One is what we call not really the true Monster Hunter, but it's the baseline Monster Hunter. So that's like what Monster Hunter is. Uh, everything going up above zero would be. Uh, everything that's been streamlined to focus on combat, more towards the action game. So Rise would be like the highest on that list. It'd be like maybe at like a five. And then since then, all the games have slowly ticked up. So it's like a little graph going up. The thing is, Monster Hunter 2, because it's the black sheep, it would actually be below zero. So <laughs> Monster Hunter 2 would be like the negative one. So like Monster Hunter 1 was like zero, then it went to like Monster Hunter Portable, which is like, oh, maybe it's like plus one, a little bit more streamlined. And then it went back. It went down to negative, like negative one, because Monster Hunter Two did is the only game in the series that did the opposite of any streamlining. Because instead of streamlining it, uh, the 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 experience for the player, they actually made it m 
they added more hindrances onto yeah, the player to down. force the player to to play by its rules. Like it doubled down on all of these concepts to focus on that more the hunting as as you call it, like the survival. Um, but immediately with Portable Second uh, and Second G Freedom Unite, uh, they went right back up. And since then, we've never been that low again. Like, 3 jumped back. I would argue that 3 was a little bit closer to, like, Monster Hunter 1 again. But then since then, it's just been going up and up and up with Rise being the highest. I guess Frontier would also be high up as well. So, yeah. I, I wanted to, to like, give people a, a better idea of what it is like to just, like, play Dose. Because we keep talking about, you know, the concepts and the survival aspects and all that. Let's just, let's just take it like this. So you start those, right? As a brand new player. Yeah. What's like one of the first quests? Is it like a gathering quest? Go pick up some shrooms? Is it like a hunting quest? A slaying quest? What are we talking about? Some of the first quests that you would have to do. Right out the gate, you're given, I think it's three quests. But the first quest you're given is an exploration of the jungle. And it's essentially like a free hunt. But you still have the 50-minute timer, and you still have to deliver something in order for it to be finished. You don't get, like, a ticket. You have to deliver mushrooms. So anytime you need to go explore, you must partake in a quest. You cannot just leave without partaking, like, a, a quest. Um, then you're also given, alongside that, a quest to hunt Velocidrome and a quest to hunt Boldrome. The goal is you have to defeat both of, the, both of those, and you're just off to the races. So... You have to, like, there's no, like, story that, like, builds you up slowly to the Velocidrome or to the Boldrome. They're just given to you. And they basically said, they say, like, defeat them at your leisure. And the process of even getting to that point is many hours. It's like, the like, as I know people talk about Monster Hunter 3 and the opening of that and how it's long. Monster Hunter 3's opening is long. It's many hours. There's many different quests. You do a bunch of, like, small monster quests. And then eventually they, they even, they do the, the, quest where you get cha-cha right the little helper yeah uh but then you eventually get the great jaggy quest and that is like hours into the game there's many many tutorials monster 2 throws you into the deep end and says you just have to defeat those monsters do whatever you can in order <laughs> to get there and what it doesn't tell you is that the first thing you should be doing is actually mining at the jungle uh mining for ore because you're only given a tiny bit of money and if you don't buy pickaxes you're screwed you will not be able to upgrade your weapons you like, y you can't do anything. And the small monsters will just decimate you. Like, they will... The small <laughs> monsters will kill you. Uh, like, I had a friend who was playing the game for the first time. He's like, because he saw my video, and he's like, oh, I can't wait to play it. He's being destroyed by the crabs, by the hermitars. He's like, Jacob, I can't play this game. The hermitars are ganging up on me and killing me. Because they do. Like, they just no, pop like, out of the ground, it, it, right? Yeah, modern Monster Hunter, like the if you play like I don't know, like Generations, uh, Generations Ultimate, the Hermitars, they will be on the other side of the map and they'll just be docile. You have to like really go up to them and like wait for them to like turn around and attack you. Monster Hunter Two, the moment you step into the new zone, they are charging towards you like full speed, and they will gang up and just keep relentlessly killing you until you're done. So it's it treats every encounter like it is an actual encounter. It doesn't treat the small monsters like they're just like nothing. You, you mm. don't have to worry about them. No. Every encounter is is an actual encounter and it builds you up eventually to the Velocidrome or the Boldrome. And then once you finally beat those, that's where the game takes off. And that's where they start giving you more and more quests. And so it's like the more traditional monster hunter. But um, that first few hours, like there really is way more of a build up and it's a personal journey. It doesn't guide you through it like monster hunter three or four. 
It's like listening to it like that. It almost makes me wish that the small monsters were actually kind of used in some of these quests. Now, I do feel like they should potentially dial them down when you're fighting like maybe a bigger monster. Because like you don't want to be fighting like a Rathalos and it's like, oh yeah, it's, dude. Uldrome. I could, I, I could totally take care <laughs> of that Rathalos, but there was just like friggin' five crabs on top of me the whole time, right? <laughs> so it's like you want the, the smaller monsters to take a back seat. Uh, in those quests, but I kind of feel like it would be interesting if you would have like in the starting quests where you would have those smaller monsters be more impactful. I think that is an interesting thing that I feel like Capcom could learn because, you know, Capcom nowadays, if they give you a slaying quest, I mean, did we even have any slaying? I think we have like one or two slaying quests in Rise and it's just like we you do. go we in there. You go in there and you're just like, you slap them twice and everything's dead. Yeah. It's like, oh, I killed everything. <laughs> That there's nothing to it. So what you're describing okay, so, to me as the crabs and dose, that sounds way more interesting. You like to put it in perspective too. Like the final boss fight, in Monster Hunter Two. I mentioned this in the video. The final boss fight in Monster Hunter Two, there is it's Lunastra right on the tower, but there's three Ramobras up at the top of the tower as well. What they what you don't know in Monster Hunter Two is that Ramobras have the same health pool as a Velocidrome. Oh, like they gosh. take the same amount of hits. Like they, they, and so you basically have three Velocidrome that spit poison and flying, as well as Lunastra to deal with. So like these small monsters was really there, are a bigger threat, was and they're there part scaling? of the game. Like it's intended. Um, what what do you mean? Like for instance, if you have two players. Oh, I, no. Actually, no, wait, no, no, wait. No. Before we even get there, is there a separation between <laughs> hub and village? In those? Yes. So uh, vi village was all offline. Uh, hub was online town, like Monster 3, yeah. Monster 1. Uh, so it's a completely separate online hub. And so when you say the final boss, you're not you're talking final boss village or final boss hub? Final boss village. Uh, final boss hub would be Fatalis. So. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so in but final... You wouldn't have to deal about Remobra. You don't have to deal with Remobra yeah. on that quest. But but it's like still it's interesting to see that like final boss Lunastra and three it's just interesting to say it's Lunastra and three Remobras. Like so somehow yeah. the Remobras, <laughs> like, they're a problem. Yeah. <laughs> they are, they are a problem. I, I, I remember running around, I couldn't even fight Lunastra. I had to take out the three Remobras, then go after Lunastra. Do they not respawn? Uh, I think they do eventually respawn. I, I would have to check my footage again. Um, but, <laughs> but like you, once you're on the top of the tower, you can't leave. Uh, it's like it's blocked. So if you're there, it's like you have you can't just like leave and come <laughs> back. You're you're stuck there. Interesting. Oh, good God. Unless he was Farcaster, but yeah. I didn't yeah. use Farcaster. Damn. So I guess you know, with that slow slow pace of a game, like that's just like. It makes every item usage count much more, you know? Absolutely. And uh, the thing is, is like, I, I, we have that in the other Monster Hunter games, like Portable Second, or Portable Second, um, Unite, Freedom Unite. Um, but there's some things that you go on and you talk about that are so restrictive that are alien concepts to me. Like this idea of, like you said, like this quest is not available during like this season or, yes. or like seasons. during the night. Like, can you give a little bit more info on that for some people? People have not heard it because I thought that was fascinating. I would have sure. never guessed. So going back to what I mentioned earlier, so you have like the three quests that you start with, right? You have the gathering quest. You can do that any season. You're just because the Jumbo Village or the offline village, it's called Jumbo Village. 
it's right next to the jungle. So it's easy for uh, you can just go there any season. Uh, the the hunting quests, they're, they're not really tied to you just heading out there. They're tied to hunting the monster. But the monster is only available at certain times during the year. And there's an in-game year. There's three different seasons. There's the like the summer, winter, and then the breeding or like spring, like a breeding season. <laughs> so during like breeding season, you can fight Bulldrome and Velocidrome. They're both available because all the animals are breeding, right? During the cold season, um, the Velocidrome is nowhere to be found. I think, I think, unless I'm mixing it up. Velocidrome is nowhere to be found, but there is a Bulldrome quest. So you can do that one. During the summer season, Bulldrome is nowhere to be found. I guess it's too hot for him. But Velocidrome is there. So as you go through the cycles, these quests will change. And some of them are dependent on time of day. Some of them have, like, there's like a limit of how many quests can be in your roster at a time. Uh, if you're following an Elder Dragon, they'll go from location to location. So like if you're, like, a Cachelladora might be in a desert one day, but the next day it's at, it's at like, uh, the Snowy Mountains. Um, or the Arctic Ridge, as they call it in Generations Ultimate. Um... And yeah, so like you would never like, let's say you were farming Kezu, which is what I did a lot because I wanted the Kezu armor <laughs> and I talk about it in the video. Um, you're never do going on the same quest like repeatedly, like a grind, like you yeah. would in the newer games. You would, it, depending on the season, oh, I'd be going to the mountains uh, during the hot season. But as soon as it's too cold to go there, like during the winter, it's like, oh, it's too cold. No hunter goes there. So instead you go to the swamp during the, like the the winter and the kezu is there instead so the quest the location of the monster would move and depending on the time of day too the the locations would actually change mm. like the swamp would be different between day and night the volcano would be different from day to night all the collectible items like herbs mushrooms everything was ch would change from day to night i mentioned it in the video but honey was scarce you could only get honey during uh the summer and the breeding season during oh, wow. winter, if you try to gather honey, you just get insect husks, which, I mean, in today's games, you get the insect husks, you're like, what do you do with these? But in Monster 2, they were to tell the player, oh, there's nothing here. There's no honey. Don't bother. Though you could trade the insect husks for honey from the veggie elders. So that was like a little trick that I learned. Um, so there is a use for them. Uh, but yeah, you can sort of have to like really like, you have to figure the game out like it doesn't just spoon feed you everything that you need you mm. have to like actually play by its rules to like really play by its rules like i mean that, that goes really well with like that time of uh the time period in which it was released right like you i mean i know being on consoles always held back the series here in japan but yeah the whole idea of like you know the talking to students you know after school about oh shoot i didn't know that like you know the whole like figuring it out together kind of yeah cool little that's, community aspect that's like the basis um i know that probably a lot of people don't know but that was the basis of like the dark souls community which actually started with demon souls and people basically sharing information yeah. like that where you would be like oh yeah you're he's the one who kills the npcs and you'd be like oh Oh no, I left him in my town. He's just going to start murdering everybody. It's like, yep, you you kill a boss, he's going to kill an NPC and you start seeing your NPCs drop one by one. And you know, there's hidden stuff like that, but it's like, oh, but then if you let him kill everyone, then this other NPC shows up and then she gives you a quest. And then there's all of these hidden aspects that a lot of players be like, 
they would have no idea, but people would constantly be sharing information. It's like, oh yeah, and you can form this special sword if you joined like, um, I don't remember the names, but you'd be able to form this sword called the Northern Regalia because you would bind two special swords into one and whatnot. And people would be like, it's crazy. Oh yeah, and then there's this sword that scales with luck. You're like, what? This sword scales with how much luck you have in your character. It's a blue blood sword. <laughs> And, and, no, and it's I'm like, like really and curious listen, to. This is a sword that was made from a broken sword. You'd pick up a broken sword and then gather it together with a boss with a soul's boss. Anyway, I'm I'm getting I'm getting completely off topic. <laughs> what one question? Just, how yeah. how the seasons advance? Oh, just like uh, there'd be an in-game timer. Uh, days would go by. It'd be I I I calculated it. Like I there's probably a better answer out there, but it's something like I don't know like six days would be like uh but like when you would go on a quest it would advance depending on how okay. long you're on the quest for if you're on a quest for like a short period of time a short period of time would pass you could also uh force it to go by by just sleeping in the house but oh, if you went to go sleep in your house it would actually cost you money uh and money was integral to the whole game and i think it was part of the immersive aspect i talk about in the video it's like well if you're not hunting for the village you're not collecting anything from them you're not you know you're giving worthless. them food yeah you, hey. so you have to pay up you have to pay up to be an equivalent for that and i was like oh wow that's so cool it's like either i could skip or i can make a lot more money by i don't know like hunting like like gendrome a couple times because it's like it's like winter and it's i can go to the desert so like you'd be thinking about that. You'd be thinking as a hunter when you're playing mm. the game like let's let's do this because it'd be effective as like with this occupation that you're you're performing. Dude, oh, that's it's like I, I I swear every time he talks about a new feature I'm going like dude, can I have like a modern like a monster hunter world <laughs> right? but but with the cuz like I don't want to go back and play the old monster hunter those cuz like I I was even today I played a little bit of Rise and I was like, dude, I can't even go back to the Gunlance in World because Rise basically has the best Gunlance moveset, even though the damage is a little bit lackluster. But the moveset is just so good that I can't even see myself going back to World for the Gunlance moveset, let alone back to Dose, which probably doesn't even have a Gunlance. But it's like... It does. It actually does. It does? Yeah, it's the first game of Gunlance and it's oh really rough. God. I tried to use it. Uh, it, but it, it is the first game of Gunlance. Uh, it's very simple. Uh, I, I don't know if it's, like, OP or not, because I don't play meta at yeah. all. Like, I'm all for, like, the immersives, the story, what it all means. What does it all mean? Uh, so I don't, I don't know <laughs> the meta, but, yeah, I, I, Gunlance is in the game, and it's fun. It's fun in that game. Dude, because it, it, it's, like, it's like, give me Rise, but with the features that you're saying. Like, yes, I want to have the seasons, and I want to have all of this stuff maybe not have the zenny be as hard to get because you were describing like oh yeah you, you didn't buy pickaxes well that's too bad guess you're not making money then because you're not going to have good weapons and you're going to suck and you're screwed so you can kind of like reach a fail state in your save almost is what you're saying close uh what you'd have to do is you'd have to just build the money back and that would usually be because like you know when you start the quest your weapon is always sharpened so it's like yeah. you can go into a quest without whetstones right uh, it's not like your armor eventually dies off. Like, your armor is fine. You have full health every time you restart the quest. So if you go out there and you just hunt, like, Velocipre, and then you just sell everything, and you collect everything that you can find and sell it all, you can eventually make the money back. But it's a process. It truly is a process. 
So this is like really interesting. I, I'm looking at a, a book that was released only here in Japan called The Monster Hunter Chronicles. And it's a 10th anniversary official chronicle book in which the developers have interviews and they go through all the marketing and they talk about the creation of all the games. And it's just fascinating. Like they talk about the philosophy here behind what a quest is. And it's so different from the rest of the games. They said here like... Um, and I didn't realize this. I don't know because I never played Monster Hunter 1. Maybe it was different. But they said that those is where they really doubled down and and, and found the, the, the hit lag. Uh, like when you hit a monster and there was lag. And they said that that was like a big element. They were really, from a technical standpoint, what they were aiming for. So that you could feel the weight of stuff better. Yeah. Um, but then they were asking like, you know, so like what was it like? What were you guys thinking with the cycle of quests? And they're like, it'd be like a game center, like an arcade. You'd go in. You'd play one quest and that'd be it. That'd be a play session. And that's the way they, they went about it, was thinking that one quest could just be one play session. Like it didn't it wasn't a quick affair. Like yeah. it was a it was a thing. And so they're like, you know, it was more about the the experience of just having that one that one experience. And they were still doubling down. They were trying to make an on you know, this game started as like we want to make an online game, you know, with multiple players. So I think I never played the online part of that either. But it's just interesting seeing him say, yep, he's like, you know, play one quest and done for the day. I'm like, what? <laughs> I mean, that being said, though, if you actually like if, if like what after playing Monster Hunter 2, I can see that philosophy because you're not you're never just going in to just hunt the monster. Every quest, you always go in and you're like, OK, what can I gather? Yeah. What herbs can I gather? What blue mushroom? What honey? Because there's no farm. So all your items, you have to always consistently restock every quest. So any chance that I had, I'd, I'd be grabbing any items that I could. Anything that I couldn't buy at the market. Yeah, so I'm kind of curious if the whole honey joke here in Japan... I, like, I know that it was still a thing back in, like, Freedom Unite and the third generation. Now, at this point, it's, it's a little bit, but, like, they have a thing here in Japan where they would do, like, challenges at their live events where the developers would have to play, and if they lost the quest, they'd have to sell all their honey and then save the game. And so it was always like, oh, that's so brutal. Like, oh, my God, that was 200 honey. And, like, and yeah. I get, like, it, even back in the other, it's because you use it for potions and stuff, like, it hurt. But, like, I can't imagine, I wonder if that's, like, a product of, you know, the day and age of Monster Hunter 1 or 2 where honey was even more valuable. Seasons, man. <laughs> yeah it all depended on the season i i what i would do uh usually for the quests uh is like let's say i want to fight a gravios i would spend like a whole year gathering everything i can to get as many potions as many like flash bombs ready as many traps as i could get it all prepared and then after the whole in-game year i'd be like i'm ready for the quest and then i would go on it i'd fail and have to do it all over again <laughs> But see, it's like there's a, a magic to that because, I mean, maybe a full year of you having to, like, prepare for it is maybe a bit extreme. But let, let's put it to, like, the day standards. Imagine, for instance, you have to go fight, I don't know, um, a Gravios. Yeah, let's go fight a Gravios. Yeah. You need to go Gravios. get your traps and whatnot. And before you would be able to fight the Gravios, you know, you'd be expected to do, like, one or two more quests in order to gather materials. And sometimes you might be lucky and you'll get materials that let you fight like maybe two gravios or something like that but i think that 
preparation aspect that has been lost. I mean, it hasn't been completely lost, but it has been somewhat lost, particularly with, you know, Rise removing the um, cold potions and hot potions. They're clearly moving in that direction of more arcade. But with that aspect of preparation being lost, I, I definitely feel like that was one of the things, that is one of the things that attracted me to this series to begin with, which is the... I'm not going to say simulation or realism, but in a way there are aspects to monster hunter. There are like their own simulation thing, which is like, Oh, your yeah. character gets hungry. You have to sharpen your weapons. Like you don't see like friggin' Dante and devil may cry going like, Oh, I got to <laughs> sharpen my sword before my next combo. That That's not how it works. Right. Cause you know, that's an action game and monster hunters like again, hunting genre, even though it's veering more and more, towards action as we move forward yeah it's it's I'm, i was just giving a quick little glance at some of the interview they, they gloss over your dose so fast oh, in this interview no. because you know it just seems like they're like okay let's go to portable and talk about how things started to really change you know uh, and the only things that they have in here on dose which are like kind of interesting is just the network they talk a lot about the network limitations that they had and so they're like, you know, they originally wanted to have it like if you, you know, cut off the tail, you know, only one hunter could be able to carve it or something. Like all the materials you'd have to split up and communicate and talk to people oh. about who was going to do what and, you know, split up the rewards. But then they're like, yeah, but from a, like a technical standpoint, having to like keep all that information instanced on everyone's version in sync would be a lot of information to share. And they're like, so like we, we, we could only do that for a few items like drops or something. So like we we had to rethink the way that we did our items. I'm like, wow, they were really thinking hardcore back then about how they would they would do it. You know, they said but they it, even had a at one point the idea of rewarding the player who who hunted the best with slightly better rewards. But then they realized in that. testing, they're <laughs> like, oh no, it's going to push everybody to just deal damage. When really they said, <laughs> you know, people who are gathering items and doing stuff are still very helpful hunters. Dude, it's, it's so like they ended up. If something like that was implemented to rise, everybody would be playing like friggin' light bowgun. Like that's it. Just have four people with light bowguns. Monster would show up, and be like four people in Rambo gear, just like ready to shoot the crap out of the monster, <laughs> going at it. <laughs> exactly. But it's like yeah, and then, uh, I actually really like that idea that sh- that you're talk that they're talking about in the interview of like splitting up the monster and like okay, you get the tail, I get the wings. Like, that is actually interesting. And you could have, like, an in-game interface that at the end of the hunt, you could be like, okay, now you get to choose which parts you want, and then it could be, like, a voting or something. Like, there'd be ways of handling that, but that seems interesting to me, even though I don't think we can go back to that point because everybody's like, no, we we chop the tail, everybody gets to carve the tail. Like, at that point, that is just ingrained in the community. But it is very interesting that that was a, an idea that they had. Yeah. Things were so... This whole idea of like a living, breathing world, right? In world. But yeah. Yeah. Really, it's like, but is it? <laughs> like, yeah, so he, I, I, I was going to say, like I, I mentioned a lot in the video where I, I feel like a lot of the quality of life changes and a lot of this whole like, oh, it's a living, breathing world. Either it's, it's these, these things are 10 years too late or these things have been around since day one. You just didn't see them in Generations or Portable 3rd 
or even Monster Hunter 4, like they just died for a bit because yeah. they were there in Monster Hunter 3. A lot of the concepts that they talk about in the advertising Monster Hunter World and then all the quality of life stuff, yeah, it's just a decade too late. Um, if they went, if they really doubled down on it, like in those interviews said, and they focused on... Because, yeah, it's not really about making it realistic, but it's about put simulating or ab adding these aspects that potentially create an, a more immersive experience for the player. There's no guarantee that it'll be more immersive for the player, but you can potentially build this immersion by forcing the player to play by the game's rules uh, and really, like, pretend that they are a hunter in that setting and how these things work. Like, oh, yeah, if, if you're the one that cuts off the tail, all the other hunters, they vow that you get it because, you know, you're the one that cut it off. It's sort of like there's like this community aspect that they I think that they wanted to try and build, but they mm. they didn't because it was easier and more effective and it sold better it, when they went to portable second and immediately that the series blew up and that's where it's been ever since. Yeah, at that point they had to rethink quest length as well, right? Because you were yeah, it was ad hoc took over and you know people playing between sessions of other stuff or after school or during lunch breaks like they didn't have the that just you know drove the direction towards streamlining, I guess I'll call it. Yeah. Or focusing it more towards action. But so we have like the seasons and the, the available quests and the available ingredients. Is there another like sort of, I wouldn't say archaic, but more like, you know, slower pace, but cool kind of like immersive thing in the game that you particularly enjoyed uh, outside something like that? Uh, well, the the one item box, we haven't talked about that. There's only one there's only one item box in the whole game and it's in your house. And <laughs> in order to ask, access any items, not even from the end of quest menu. Let's remember that. When you end a quest, you were not allowed to send to box. You have to decide then and there, can you sell the item or can you put it in your pouch? If you don't have any oh, room, it's wow. sold. And there's nothing you can do about it. So I would forfeit my <laughs> potions in order to bring back like a Gravios like <laughs> shell or something for as an example. Um, because yeah, that's what you'd have to do. And you have to manually bring your items in your pouch and your item pouch is very limited. You have to manually bring it to the item box, deposit it, sort it. The item box space was only one page until you upgrade it to the maximum page. of four pages, <laughs> only four pages. That's it. Um, and at one page, yeah, you're selling like at the end of every quest, it's like, oh, I don't need this boldrome hide or whatever. And you know, it really got into the habit of it. I'm like, I don't need this. I'm going to sell it. And at the end of every quest, I would do that. I would sell, and I would sell, and I would sell, because it's like, I'm not making oh, armor wow. out of this. Or, like, I've already made armor out of this. I don't need to keep it. Um, a lot of monsters, they, there's no weapons for them. Well, the, or, like, if there is a weapon, there's only, like, one. Um, most of the, like, the uh, ore-based or wyvern-based weapons are the best anyway in mm. those games. So why keep, like, a Velociprey hide? You don't really need it. Just sell it. And then you make your money because otherwise you don't get any money. It's it's so interesting because like I'm just looking back to my um, Monster Hunter World save on PS4 where at <laughs> one point I was like, hmm, I need some Zenny. And then I look in my bags and I'm like, there's like 1,200 something from Colf to Roth here. I probably don't need these many. And it's gold. No. It's probably worth a lot. I'll sell a few of these. But it's like yeah. I had so much of each material. It's I still have so much of each material that it's ridiculous. Because I, I would never sell anything 
I just like, and people are like, oh yeah. my God, you should sell some because you need money. I'm like, no, never. I'll go do like one of those three monster um, investigations and I'll use like the bandit mantle and I'll steal everything and I'll make more money that way rather than sell. I'm like a terrible hoarder when it comes to that stuff. Yeah, well, I can imagine like just the, the sense of accomplishment and the journey that you'd feel after playing a game like Monster Dose. It sounds like after a few hundred hours or whatever or more when you when you have all the upgrades you have all the stuff every little thing that you're looking at there's a story behind it it's like yeah that was that that was that weekend during summer break man oh my god like upgrading that armor was such a pain in the butt but it was so cool i'm reading here and this may have been in your video probably as well and i just forgot it but apparently this is the series where they introduced decorations and it yes. was it was a paid service you had to pay the armor to <laughs> remove and to attach decorations on your armor and then if when you, you upgraded your armor you could yeah. actually open up more new slots it, there's a chance if you upgraded your armor and there's a decoration in it the decoration could be destroyed and you can never get it again <laughs> and you have to buy a new one you had to go to the armor to in, in to put the the decorations in every single time this was also in a uh, freedom unite but if you upgraded the armor i mean the upgrade system in in Monster 2 was different. You up when you upgraded armor in Monster 2, it was like weapons. You actually you need to bring the monster parts. And they had like branching trees, like oh, Rath wow. Rathian armor could become pink Rathian, then gold Rathian armor as you keep upgrading it. Um Yeah, I mean de yeah, decorations, they were a pain. I only ever used like attack up decorations because that was the only meta skill, right? Like there's attack up. And that's it. So I went for attack up and I had to try to have as, as high defense as possible. Uh, like there's it's not worth getting any other skills. Right. But actually, there was, you know, like anti theft was actually useful yeah. uh, stuff like <laughs> anti sleep, anti, anti paralysis. <laughs> yeah, because cats, dude, in that game, cats will like bolt right towards you from the other side of the map. The moment you <laughs> enter the zone. They're they're running towards you to steal your items and you will not. Well, you can't get them back, but they're relentless. Or Gypseros. Every time the Gypseros pecks you, you lose an item, a potion, and it's like, Damn. yeah, it's useful. Holy crap. Do you, do you have, like, numbers on how many monsters the game has? Um, It's similar to Freedom Unite. Uh, I mean, you could just look it up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was, I was just curious if you if you had any idea on, on it out of, out of head, because it, it's just something that I, I was just like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking how big the whole thing was, because, like, you finished it, right? I finished offline, uh, not all of offline. I beat Lunastra. Like you can't play online. Uh, right yeah. now they're working on figuring out the servers. They'll be up soon. But I believe I beat Lunastra. I beat uh, Monoblos and Rathalos, which are tiered higher than Lunastra. And the only thing higher than that for me to fight is stuff like I also beat Kirin. It's like uh, Camellios, oh Shan, Lung, uh, Azure Rathalos. And those ones, I mean, at that point in the game, I felt like I was done. Like, I felt like I had completed my journey. And I was like, maybe some other day. And I have yet to pick up the game again. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, no, even the my first Kirin kill took days. Because I had to get an armor set that was good against Thunder. Had good Thunder resistance. So I had to spend many, many days hunting uh, Kezu in order to eventually kill the Kirin. Um, and, like, that was a journey in and of itself and I, I detail it in the video and wasn't it i'm just looking at some of the stuff here like they're talking about 
it's just so fascinating. It's like, you know, like at least from someone like me who started with third generation, there's always been that mindset that the, the portable games started as just like a portable version of the console game. Because that's yeah. what like the first Monster Hunter Portable was, right? It was just yes, it was Monster Hunter G, but on portable, which is great. Exactly. But then you've got Monster Hunter Dose at the same time that they were making, you know, Monster Hunter Portable Second or whatever. Uh, actually, no, they, they were making Monster Hunter Portable the first game while the team on the same floor was making Dose. They yeah. were still that small, but Dose and Monster Hunter Portable Second are—I mean—they don't even have the same village. Like they're no, they're they don't. they're different games. Um, so there is no other, there's no portable version of this game, which kind of makes sense, I guess, when going through everything here. But it just seems like so many interesting ideas came out of this game. Like they're saying that subquest A and B, like oh, multiple okay. subquests. I, I got I, I to talk about that. So the quest system in the game, so fascinating because, uh, okay, so you know, in the modern games, you'll have gathering quests, right? So it's like, oh, you got to go gather like a powder stone. You got to haul yeah. it back. And it's annoying, or this egg delivery quest, and they're annoying. They weren't in Monster Hunter 2. They were always delegated as subquests. So let's say, uh, for example, like you needed to get like light crystal for like an ore weapon upgrade or something. There's multiple ways to get light crystal. One of the ways is fight Gypseros. Another method is to uh, do the like the rock carrying quest in in the Gypseros quest. So if you go on that quest, the subquest is to deliver um, this whatever. Or something. Or maybe I'm misremembering. Maybe it's not that mm. specific quest. But by completing that, you get completely different rewards. So they moved all of the boring, as we call them, boring. Uh, like you know, you hunt like three Velocipray, or you know, you you deliver some mushrooms. Like the boring quests that people apparently, allegedly, find boring. Even though I don't find them boring, they're all delegated as subquests underneath the main one. And you could always just complete the quest just by completing the subquest. You could end the quest early, and you get separate rewards for that. And of course, if you completed all three, well, you know, you got you got them. You're making the big bucks. <laughs> so, so see that that pretty much goes into what you were saying earlier, Gajin, that they were basically designing these to be like a single session thing. So you go in yeah. there, and it's like, okay, I have these three objectives. I'm even like, because I I play a lot of MMOs, right? And I'm even thinking in my brain. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the same way that we would do certain quests where you go in and it's like, okay, your main quest is to kill these baddies. But there's an optional thing where if you kill these baddies as well, or if you kill them in a certain amount of time or whatever, right, you get additional rewards. And that's kind of like the design philosophy that they were going for there. Nowadays, we look at subquests and, and particularly in Rise, I don't think I ever was like, oh yeah, I should definitely do the subquest. I think I probably did those in like for you and generations. I, yeah. I would probably think about the subquests and want to do them. But nowadays in, in Rise, I'm like, I never look at the subquests. I'm like, whatever, I'm killed the monster. Monster's dead. I win. Boom, done. I, I don't even remember if Rise had subquests. I, yeah. World didn't, right? World, I yeah, they didn't. think I think it did. Yeah. It? What it was interesting is I, I think it was Monster Hunter. I want to say four. I could be wrong. But I remember they were like, subquests are coming back. And people were like really excited. I was like. <laughs> yeah, because they were in Monster Hunter 3 as well. Uh, I know I know you say you started third gen. You didn't actually. You played 3 Ultimate, right? Guys? Yeah, I didn't I play the actual third gen because Try yeah. was also a very different game. 
yeah, a very, very different game. That was that was like something in between Monster Hunter 2 and 3 Ultimate. Like there there's some Monster Hunter 2 isms that bled into 3, which I really, really like about 3, but ultimately 3 Ultimate has like a better roster and has more yeah. weapons and whatever. But Yeah, try try didn't have um, Gunlands, dude. That was I was like, how No, how, it didn't. How could you do this to me? After after I can't believe this. <laughs> I mean you got to feel for the team. They spent probably like, what, a year or two trying to make that game? Absolutely. And they said, you know what? Screw the PlayStation 3. It's so hard to make a game on this thing. We're, we're, <laughs> we're going to scrap still, it, and we're going to start over on the Wii. I still have suspicions that it, Capcom kind of told Sony to kiss their ass because Cap. I, I think, again, I saw this in like some obscure game facts or something where someone was saying that it was because of the servers. It was because of like basically Capcom said, we want you guys to host the servers. And they were like, no, you guys host your own servers. And they're like, okay, we're going to Nintendo. And Nintendo is still hosting their servers to this day on 3 Ultimate. Like, 3 Ultimate servers are still up. Are you just rubbing it in, the fact that they're Sony shutting down the Soul Sacrifice? I'm, I'm not. I literally, I read this at, at, at some board at some point when I was doing research. Because, you know, I've, here's, the, here's the thing you need to understand about me is that I've always wanted to play Monster Hunter and I couldn't because I, I had my PlayStation 3. There was no Monster Hunter there. I had my Vita. There was no Monster Hunter there. I mean, I guess at one point there was like Freedom Unite, but that was a PlayStation Portable Monster Hunter. I'm like, I want a yeah. Monster Hunter on my PlayStation thing because the only Monster Hunter I had played before was like Try and I, it didn't click for me because I had to play it alone. And it's just, it's such a multiplayer game, particularly if you're starting out. Yeah. Like you really kind of need that friend they give you like a you leg do. up. You or... do. Because like the thing is, try didn't click for me until a friend of mine, and you know, I bought Freedom Unite on the Vita and then we were able to ad hoc in his, with his PlayStation Portable. And that's when it clicked for me because my friend was like, okay, here's what, you, here's what we do. Here's how it goes and all of that. And I did the same thing for a friend to, and he got into Rise like really hardcore. He became like super addicted to it. So I've got a weird question. I'm just going to, Let's go. Pull this to a different way because I just read something in this book that is so. Maybe you mentioned it again. My memory is bad. I'm getting old. Um, it's okay. <laughs> but it's so bizarre to me, which they're talking about the color changing of armor when you craft it and also the friendship skill that can activate. And it, it says here, like, um, it was the first game in which you were able to alter the color of your armor. Um, it would. This was applicable to the S-Series armor as well as armor that used Elder Dragon parts. When you made it, you were able to decide whether you wanted it to be more red, white, or green. Um, they said that if you clear a certain amount of sub-targets, then you would be able to get uh, permission from the online Elder Chief to uh, unlock... Um, to, to change the color of the outfit... And that getting rainbow required you to unlock all the colors for the outfit. Mm. And then it said, like, online, if everybody in the party were to have the same. No um, way. No, it, no they way. said if, if everybody in the party had an S-series armor and they all had the exact same color on, they would activate a friendship skill. What the hell oh. is that? I've never heard of that. <laughs> Like, like, okay, the English-speaking audience uh, has so little when it comes to Monster Hunter 2 that, um, yeah, like, 
Gaijin. Gaijin, you would be you would be the best. You honestly, because of your location, you'd be the in the best position to be able to find someone who would know the answers to these. No, questions. but I can I can tell you exactly what the friendship skill is. It's wide range. Probably. <laughs> I, well, I I can look it up. I... Dude, but it's I'm, like that I, actually I'm... makes sense because like you would have everybody like dressed in red, and you would activate wide range. Because <laughs> you're all I the mean, same color. There are. There are some really archaic Japanese wikis for that game. That oh, no, from... the, the wiki in Japan is so good. It's <laughs> unbelievable. It, there, I, I would go there. To, like, that was that was the thing that saved me, because that game does not tell you anything, and you have to research a lot of stuff in order to, like, even, even get to the final boss. There's so much, like, weird little secrets you got to perform in order to even get the final boss. And so I, I had to use, I had to like Google Translate. I don't think I even, like, it wasn't even translating correctly, but I had to this use This is these crazy. I'm reading sites. it now and it's it's crazy. So it says, um, so when you make the armor, it decides at that point whether or not you'd have the red, white, or green. Um, and this has. So wait, wait, with, wait, wait. It decides or you get to choose? It sounds like it's, it's, it's decided. So it says that when you make the armor, um, if you have hunted the monster more than you have, it's it's weird. It says, depending on the main, what is this? Live translation. So like, if you if you have hunted more than you have gathered, then you'll have red. If you have captured more than you have killed, it would be white. And if you've done more delivery quests and hunting quests, it would be green. Um. So it says that you know most players were given red when they did this because they just did hunting but there was ways to get yellow and green then it says that the the symbol color change so this is the symbol color so it might be like the emblem on the armor not the actual armor itself they're calling it the symbol color um but they said like the first first time you're not able to change the symbol color on your own but by completing 200 sub targets and then talking to the elder chief online he would then give you the permission to change to um, a different color for those symbols. Damn. That's crazy. There was 11 colors in total, and then they would all be unlocked in, in succession. And then after getting all the colors, then you would have the rainbow. So it says here, wow. so friendship skill. It says that this was in Monster Hunter Dose um, and only exists also in the original Monster Hunter Freedom. Oh, uh, Monster, oh. No, not Freedom, not Freedom, not Freedom, sorry. I, I just saw the F. Um, Monster Hunter Frontier. <laughs> Frontier, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the very first sense. Frontier in Dulce had the system. It says that by um, hunting with other members and matching the symbol color on your armor, you would activate a skill called a friendship skill. Um, you had stuff like uh, the most popular, apparently there was multiple different skills that you can get, depending on the color. And the most popular one, because everyone was hunting, is if everybody had a red symbol on their armor, then it would give you the Iron Fist Red skill, which would give you good luck, which would give you more items oh. uh, f from clearing the quest. Um, that's crazy. They said that... Um, yeah, but ultimately in Monster Hunter Frontier, they decided to do away with the system, apparently. I feel... I feel like we're archaeologists, like digging up the the <laughs> hidden information that nobody has ever seen about monsters. So. 
have you have you guys seen uh there's like a video i forget who posted it but it's someone who's exploring the online town in monster Hunter 2 uh, look uh, up at some point on your own that's super exploring rad. the online town of monster Hunter 2 what i'm what, pretty sure that's it? super rad i think it's super rad yeah i think okay, he did i don't it. think i'm well he probably did it but i'm thinking of someone else i know definitively okay. it wasn't super rad the guy that i watched and the guy he was t- he was exploring all the mini games in monster Hunter 2 because when you're online there's tons of mini games you could do uh, with other players, not just the arm wrestling. There was like a shooting gallery, um, and other stuff. I think, um, and yeah, that it, like there's so much. Like I even like the instruction manual for Monster Hunter Two. There's a bunch of like little stuff. Like there's so much stuff and information in there that like we wouldn't know because no one's ever documented it on any of the English wikis at all. Mm. Okay, so I I just found um information so. Wide range plus one was one of the skills that you could activate. Um, that See, was I with, knew it. It had to if be. Everybody, <laughs> so, like, you had, like, if everyone's green, you got gathering plus one. If everyone had red symbols, then you'd get good luck. If everyone had white symbols, then you'd have sneak. And I guess that only made sense because, like you said, like, the small monsters would be a pain in the ass. Yes, yes. And so having sneak would be really good if you're going out gathering before you hunt a monster. Um, then mean, they it, had... It, 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 it's effective against large monsters too, and there would be times where I would where I would crouch, sneak past the monster, and keep going on my day because it would happen. We don't even we we don't even use crouch anymore. Almost, I mean, I guess I guess I kind of used it a little bit in World because in Iceborne they made it so that if you would go up to like the nest of the monster, they wouldn't go to sleep. I don't remember if that was. Yeah. At the very first patch, or if it was like a patch that they added later where they're like, now monsters will not go to sleep if you're there. I'm just like, you mean I can't walk up to him while his eyes are open and plant two barrels right on top of his head while his eyes are still looking at me? (laughs) So here's some other ones. So like if you had the, I'm just, I don't know the names in English. So if you have the cherry blossom pink color on, then all four players had to have that colored symbol on their armor. They would get wide uh, range plus one. If everyone had blue, then you'd have status attack up. If everyone had uh, orange, you'd have good luck as well. There was if everyone had bluish green, ever you'd get divine, uh, not divine blessing. The um, what's the one where you uh, it makes it so it's less likely that you're gonna break one of your items. Uh... Free meal. No, no, like when you use a pickaxe, like the rate in which oh, it might Oh, that break. one, yeah. Uh, I forget I the name. The name. Yeah. I know I know what you're talking about. I'm not yeah. true Monster Hunter fan, clearly. And the, <laughs> Well, I don't even know. Um, <laughs> and then you have, like, if everyone was rainbow, then you'd have good luck as well. And then they had really bizarre ones. Like, if if there was three people in the party, one of them had... Wait, there's combinations? Three. One was... Yeah, yeah. So this is, like, insect leave. So, like, if you if one of the people had white emblem... One had a red emblem and the other one had a green emblem, then you would have uh, environment damage reduction small would activate. Um, so like walking on lava, you'd take less damage. And then if you ever if you had one had red, one had blue, and one had yellow, then you'd all have anti theft. So you would mm. you you couldn't get things stolen from you. That's crazy, fascinating crap. Dude, that is insane. But it's like and, you I mean all those S- all. Do you get to craft S tier armor with just village, or was that only if you went online? S tier, you, uh, I'm pretty sure that's like constitutes as like high rank. But I, I'm trying yeah. to remember if, uh, if eventually if you kept upgrading your low rank armor, it would get to 
I I, I would have to check. I mean, uh, Monster That's Two. That's fascinating. Weird. Yeah. Yeah, and then then they mentioned that they even went so far as that in the at least for the Japanese website, they had it also have its own cycle of weather and seasons. So if you went there, it would actually change the background and everything. <laughs> yeah. This is so hard. It's so, that is this re- would be a fascinating game to play because it just sounds so different. And so it, it sounds it sounds like a pain in the ass, but it also sounds immersive as hell. That's the thing. That's the thing that I feel like we are losing more and more with current monster. Like, look, don't get me wrong. I, I love them. I love Rise. It, it's, it's like the one that's got the best combat, in my opinion, up until up until this point. Um, but it's like, I do feel like we are losing the immersion factor. The more we kind of like keep moving more towards action, action, action. And, and in particular, like the preparation factor as well, because of the infinite restocks and whatnot, because that is something that I'm, I'm just not a fan. You you know, it's funny because with world, we were given what we should have gotten in the first game. Which would have, yeah, I think we would have stuck with those more, the more preparation heavy if we had it the first game. Gathering is so much faster. Y- yeah. You gather honey so much faster. If they remove the ability to just farm it, people would be gathering every single quest. And it's not no. bad. It doesn't hurt you. It's so fast. You run while you're chasing the monster, you grab it. No big deal. You know, even when you're on the Palamute and Rise, and it's so fast and you get it. Um, these quality of life changes, if they were implemented in the first game, I, they would have been received so much better. All of mm. it would have been received better. You mean so you mean that, like the the faster gathering in dose or in actual monster yes, hunter one? Yeah. In dose, okay, in dose. Oh, I mean monster one as well. I mean, okay. it, it, regardless, uh, some of these features really should have. I think they should have been implemented earlier, and that's why I made a big note in my video because I a lot of people, you know, they complain to you know first glance like oh this guy is a boomer he doesn't like the newer titles it's like no actually <laughs> i played the newer titles a lot more than the older titles let's be honest my favorite title is monster Hunter 4 i also love world like uh it's it's very clear that um i like the whole series um what i'm basically saying is that uh these quality of life features should not be we should they should not be shunned they sh- we shouldn't say oh they're terrible no actually some of them are really great ideas they just came a decade late and we got too used to these systems we didn't realize that like oh actually there are better ways to do this uh and still keep the preparation aspect of the game yeah it, it, it's like this is go ahead i'm re- i'm reading something else that's just crazy, <laughs> Here we go. Is... no it's it's apparently there was um there was you know how like the monster team usually has a thing like if you have this the previous version of the game it unlocks or has some type of yep. mechanic yep. with the next game and i'm reading here about the what if you have monster Hunter portable yeah what it unlocks in dose and if you have dose what it unlocks por- how the hell do those things even connect oh it's in the title menu actually i can even access it in when i'm emulating it you know you just you just head down it's like connect to monster Hunter portable and then you get yangaruga but like i i don't i you know i was emulating it so it wasn't possible yeah. But uh, theoretically, I could. I do own a PSP. I do own Monster of Freedom. Well, I guess I wouldn't. But how, made it how did they communicate? I mean, it wasn't at all. Uh, it was, was just it? wire, no. just wire, USB wire. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So they say, like on the Dosen, if you had Monster Portable, you'd get an original Monster Portable original hairstyle would be added. You'd get some new variations of Poogie costumes. <laughs> they would actually power up and change the lineup of items that the old lady sold. 
at the shop. So, for example, like nutrients or Kelby horns um, and other stuff like that. But there's several different patterns that would change. You'd get the Yangaruga quest, and it would, after you did it, it would uh, start to pop up randomly. Um, then it says, um, at the moment that you link the two games, out of the armor that you're able to craft at that moment, some of the recipes would become easier to make. It would actually reduce the amount of stuff that you needed to make it, um, which is crazy. Uh, and that was like the Guild Knight in the Maid armor, apparently, also gave you some other, like you'd you'd be able to make it really easily. And then in online mode, it added in, uh, that's the cherry blossom color that they added in. Mm. So you, you had to have portable if you wanted to get uh, <laughs> everything the rainbow, I guess. Wow. And there was a whole bunch of stuff in portable. That's That's crazy. It just—it just feels like this game has so much that it is a shame that it never made it out into the West, because it just has so many interesting features that nobody ever really got to experience. So in a way, you know, you have a lot of players now that joined in on Monster Hunter from World and whatnot. And it's like World is what they know, Rise is yeah. what they know now, and a lot of those people are actually, you know, a little bit upset over the lack of end game. You know, we we talked about it with Rise and whatnot, but it's like. I wonder if we had experienced dose, if the perception of the Western audience would be somewhat different. Because even with World, when World came around, there was a, maybe, not, I'm not sure how small it was, but I think there was a small group of people that didn't like World because they were like, this is not real Monster Hunter because it didn't have. I was one of those. I was one of those people for really? a little bit. For a little bit, and then as I kept playing it, I came to love it. I really came to love it, especially with Iceborne. I was like, yeah, no, this is actually a great game. I was wrong. Uh, so, the opposite is with Rise. I, I, I've come to not like Rise so much as I keep playing it, so that's why I'm avoiding it. So so it's like, which one did you play before World? Like, wh Actually, this is a question that we probably should have started at the start of the podcast. What was your first Monster Hunter game, the very first one that you played? So I'm going to shill a little bit. I did make, I, I I made a video on my channel. It's like my Monster Hunter journey. I started in 2010 with Monster Hunter Try. I, my first game was Monster Hunter Try. And like everyone's journey, you got to have third a friend. Fleeter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a third fleeter. Um, he's on the third fleet. This is easy. <laughs> but but you got it. You got to have a friend to help you out. Uh, otherwise, those, yeah. those first couple days yeah. working on the game, you're like, what am I doing? I have no clue. See, this uh, is exactly why Monster Hunter Try never clicked for me is because, you know, my friend did not have a Wii, so he couldn't, uh, like, help me understand what was going on in Try, and it's like, I was trying to figure it out by myself. I was playing with friggin' jo it's not called Joy-Cons back then, it was like the Wiimote and the Nunchuck. The Wiimote, the Wiimote. Yeah, I was playing with the Wiimote and the Nunchuck, and I'm just like, this, this is crazy, I, I, I can't, I, I don't know what to do with this game, it's weird as hell. <laughs> so I, I played Try first, and then since then I've played every single title, except, okay, so there's a couple I haven't technically played. I have not technically played Monster Hunter G, because I have no interest. Um, I have not played Monster Hunter Portable uh, second, like Freedom 2. I played Freedom Unite, so why yeah. would I want to? Yeah. Uh, and then I technically haven't played the original Monster Hunter 4, and then I haven't played Frontier. Or on uh, Monster so Online, played, the, the Chinese. You one. played the ones. You played the ones in the West, basically. So like uh, three ultimate, uh, four ultimate, generations ultimate, all, and generations. all of them. But I I also played Portable Third. I imported okay. Portable Third, uh, both the P 
PSP version and the PS3 version. Oh wow! Uh, oh damn! I wanted a, I wanted a PS3 Vault Center game, and Me they did too! make one. They did make one. <laughs> they did make one, and I did get it. Uh, and it it did it did exist. It's just no one talked about it. So. Yeah, that's a damn shame. But yeah, that's that's a lot of stuff that you played before you got to World. So so when you first got to World, what was the thing that you were just like, okay, this is not Monster Hunter? Like, what was that visceral reaction that you had that's like, mm, it just doesn't gel the same way? Unfortunately, a huge part of it was aesthetic. And I that's something that people have criticized in my videos. I talk about aesthetic a lot. And that's just because, like, I'm a very aesthetic-focused person. A huge part of my mm -hmm. enjoyment of the game is aesthetic. So even changing this, like, Rathalos's roar, to, I was like, I'm gone. I'm gone. I'm like, what, do you, what have you done? Uh, but, like, since then, you know, all I have to do is just mod the game if I really wanted it to be back. Like, it really doesn't change the experience. It doesn't. It's just a sound effect. Um, so beyond that, it was really just, uh, like, I was unsure about a lot of the quality of life changes. I was like, why do I not buy a pickaxe anymore? Why does my pickaxe never end? Which I've since been like, oh, no, that's fine. That's that's a good change. Or stuff like, oh, why is gathering uh, a little bit faster? Why can I heal while I'm running? Um, why is the combat more streamlined? And that is, all like, talking about the combat is a whole separate discussion. Because as someone who really, really loved Freedom Unite, uh, or like even like the, the like the really clunky gameplay, um, playing something like World and having it be so refined and so fluid, I was like, this is this is fundamentally a different experience, and mm. that is a tangent we could go down. I don't think we should, <laughs> um, but it is fundamentally a different experience. It is it is different, um, and so that I wasn't really sure about. But as time went on, I came to enjoy that more fluid combat. Um, I think it's a little bit too fluid in Rise, but that's a personal opinion. Yeah, I, I, I can, I can see that. It's like, I still think it's my favorite combat. The there is a problem with it is just the problem is just how fast you can get away from everything, and there are certain monsters yeah. that are capable of punishing you for it, but there's also a ton of monsters that can't. So it's like, <laughs> oh, I got hit, wire bug out, not even a problem, and then you it's, heal. And then you can, and yeah. it's like if you run out of potions, I can just go back and get more. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you can just you have like an instant farcaster. It's not even like like a trouble. Like it's so easy. Yeah. <clears throat> Gadgen, you you look like you wanted to say something. Oh no no no! I was just uh, I had something I had to quick attend <laughs> to, but um, it's um no, but it's it's, it's it, what I find interesting is that my daughter got into Monster Hunter this year. Yeah. And she's 12 and it's her first time getting into the series, so to say. Like she's known Monster Hunter and she's played the previous games, uh like the um Feline Village Deluxe and Stories. Um and she started with of all things, I can't believe she fell in love with the game with the Rise demo because we went back to that demo and it is not a good like that is not how you get a new player into the game because you're basically naked fighting everything. It's <laughs> It's yeah. amazing, but she, she the design of Mizutsune was that powerful that she was committed to playing it, and then um, she fell in love with World and Iceborne when we played it, and then we went on to play Rise, and so we've been doing like a journey backwards. So we played Monster Hunter uh, Generations Ultimate, which she really enjoyed. She had a really good time. Now people are like, "Oh my gosh, she enjoyed all the fetch quests," and I'm like, "There's if you're just going critical path." There's not that much. It's not that no, bad. There's not that much. Um, I think 
people forget that that game just had an overload of content. It did. Um, <laughs> in a in a good and bad way. Yeah. Um, but we had a really good time with that, and then we went back to. Now we're in Monster Hunter Four G mm. for Ultimate, and she is she's completely lost motivation to play. <laughs> she really enjoys it. Like the last thing we hunted was a tiger striped uh, Zamtrios, and she loves the monster. Um, Same with me. Those bouncy boys are good, but the thing is, is just everything takes so much longer. Whether it's collecting, crafting. I mean, to make her Seregios, like, armor took us, like, I, I don't know, like, 10 hours or something? I mean, like, it just, it was a long process, and I think it took so much out of her. She just kind of, like, let's just play Rise <laughs> or World. Like, this is just, it's just, I like the game, and I want to see, I want to fight Gogma, but she's like, ah, it's just, it, there's so much of a commitment emotionally to sit down and play that game. She's like, it's a little too old school for me, maybe. Um, and then she, then she started complaining about, oh my god, Trigy is gonna be worse. I was like, well, Trigy, we don't have to beat it. I was like, we'll just play it so you can experience underwater combat, and then if you want to leave it, we can leave it. Like, we don't have to keep playing it. So, we're it's... taking a break from from playing right now, just so she doesn't burn out, because she's she's put in like what two thousand hours of Monster Hunter in one year. So, I think she's she's. Uh, she has to be careful of burnout and we're just waiting for sunbreak. So um, it's, it's like, but it's interesting. Cause she's like, I, I was like, how far back do you want to go? And she's like, I think I'm good. <laughs> she's like, it's just, you know, once, once you were born into the, she got into the game when it was already an action game. So like, yeah, to her world was the perfect, like it's an action game, but there was still some like elements of like caring about the environment and, the living breathing world was less like in dose where it's more about like you are a monster you are a creature in this world um and then the world is all there's you know there's much more than just the monsters to interact with where i think world's idea of the living breathing world was the big monsters have other stuff going on than than just you you are not like take the ego out you are not their focus point like they'll just walk right past you if they if they're on they're they're going to go eat or something like they just don't care it does it does provide us with an interesting, like, um, an interesting look at, at someone who started with the newer games and how much harder it is to go back. But I wonder if you have, like, the smoothness of world, would they be able to bring back those more, uh, you know, those more simulation aspects that you had, like the seasons and Zenny being a little bit harder to come by and all of that. I don't I don't think the modern gamer would I think it'd be so niche. I don't think the modern gamer would go for it. I would say that I'd even wager that the majority of Monster Hunter fans today would not be a fan of Monster Hunter Dos or one. They wouldn't be. I think it's and a, like that's yeah. fundamental. Yeah, it's true. And so like I think that just iron and that just enforces the point that you were making and I, I thought was just fascinating was was it's a different genre. It's like, it's a different game. Like whether or not you want to call that the true monster hunter or just the OG monster hunter, it's different. And it was, yeah. it's, it's just fascinating to see. Cause I mean, some of that DNA still exists, but it's getting lower and lower as the years go on to the point that it's almost, you know, it's completely different now, uh, which is interesting. It's, it's kind of like, I almost wish that they would, you know they would move the 
the needle towards the arcade on these portable games that they do, which are much more experimental, like Rise, right? Like Rise, Generations Ultimate, you know, whatever they're going to do to tide us over between, uh, you know, six and whatever eventually might come after, right? Because at at least in, in my opinion, from if you analyze the pattern of the way that they've been doing things, I would expect, you know, now we're getting Sunbreak and then a year or two after that, we're going to get whatever Monster Hunter 6 is going to be. And then I would expect like a year or two after that, we'll get like 6G. And then eventually we're going to get another portable experiment. That's what I would expect. Yeah. And yeah, I think that, it would... That, that's that... Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, yeah, that is the formula. That's the formula yeah. that they go with. And I think that what I didn't realize when I first saw World is that truthfully, they were trying to return to form. Monster Hunter 4, and this is what I really want to analyze in my follow-up video about Monster Hunter 4 when I eventually make it, uh, is the fact that Monster Hunter 4 took a lot from the portable genre, or not genre, like the portable entries, and tried to be a portable entry, despite it being a mainline entry. Um, And then Double Cross, or Generations Ultimate, Generations in general, just like really double down on the portable philosophy. World really was a return to form. World is like the closest we've been to like Monster Hunter 3 or 2 since 3 or 2. Um, so I do believe that Monster Hunter 6 will be a bit more of a return to form. I hope. If it isn't, then I mean, they might be losing uh, a, a customer, which is me. Uh, because truthfully, I'm I like Rise was fun. It didn't it didn't like capture me like the other titles have. I, I definitely feel like there's a, that sentiment with a lot of people. Like, a lot of people did not resonate with Rise as as much as they did with previous titles. And I, I can understand that. It's just, sometimes I do get a little bit upset when people go like, oh, why does this game even exist? I'm like, whoa, hey! <laughs> it's very whoa. healthy for the you development know, like, cycle is- of Monster Hunter. I love what they did back in, when Generations came out, and they tried to explain to people about the difference between the portable games, the portable series, and the mainline series. So to say, well, they're all mainline games, but the number yeah. titles. And they said, it's like Street Fighter Alpha and Street Fighter. And I like that comparison because they're games that, they're from the same genre, they're the same IP, but they're not the same game, right? And it's like, one is experimental, one's different, so don't, like, you may not like both flavors. But, um, yeah. And that's fine. But the, the thing that I was coming to earlier was like, so, you know, you have this these titles, which are like we're saying, let, let's just call them the mainline. And the I don't want to call them portable because they're not always just portable. But for the sake of, you know, just like easier to understand and to, you know, classify them, there's the main mm. and there's the portable ones. And so there's going to be the six and then there's going to be the portable of the fifth generation, fifth generation, sixth generation, six. Yeah, um, and uh I would actually like it, and I don't. I don't know if that is going to be the case or not. But I would actually like it if the this, you know, the the six kind of brings maybe even just brings back cold potions and and hot and and hot potions. Yeah. I know that for some people, I know that Gaijin, you don't care, but it's like to me that is another element of preparation that got taken away. And in a way, I would love them if they would at least limit the amount of uh, restocks that you can do. Like maybe you can do. Like, let's say you can set up a couple of things that you can put in a box for, like, you can order Palicos to go and put some stuff in your box, but you still have to kind of, like, prepare it. There's still some kind of an element, almost like the, 
the Dropbox things that we had. It's not Dropbox. They look like missiles that they came through. Was, this was GU, I think, where you'd be yep. able to like order like those airstrikes, <laughs> like airstrikes of supplies. Delivery, yeah. Like, Here you go. Here's a supply. But like, if you could do something similar to that so that you can kind of restock. But like, look, I played these games also back in the day where you'd be like, Oh, I ran out of potions. Guess I'm going to get some herbs and honey and it's time to go to work. You know, it's like you can still go and collect stuff from the maps themselves. It doesn't necessarily need to be a restock, but the restock is definitely one of the things that I would like to see go away. But I doubt that's going to happen because like, again, it's one of those things. People are used to it, but like I could still see potentially cold and hot potions coming back i don't know if then again i I don't know but i would like to see more preparation more preparation aspects being back because again while i love the combat and rise the removal of the preparation does it removes immersion It, it does remove immersion i feel like it becomes much more of a okay let's go I don't know, let's go murder 10 Rathalos because we need to go craft Rathalos gear or something. And the other one's, oh no, let's prepare for the Rathalos. Let's bring some some stuff to maybe help us with fire resistance or whatever. And this one's like, nah, just go fast, boom, kill, quick. There, There is definitely a difference. Like, I remember when even, like, playing some of the older titles, if, if, I, w- if I was given the Rathalos quest and I was like, oh man, like, I gotta prepare for this. I would go and I'd read the quest details. I'd be like, okay, well, what's the story here? But in Rise, who cares? Like, it's just another bullet point. I gotta, you know, gotta check the box. I, I beat this one, I beat this one. Um, but you will find with a lot of players who have played the old games, they will usually say, well, I felt it wasn't as immersive anymore. Like, there wasn't really that much of a, a simulation aspect. And that's because, yeah, these aspects were added. Like, why would you add hot and cold drinks to begin with? Well, they were added for a reason it was because they wanted the player to experience that and to understand that and and like they they weren't added just to be hindrances on the player Uh, they were but like it was purposefully it wasn't to be annoying it was a purposeful hindrance to force the player to play a certain way what's interesting is my my daughter actually likes the hot and cold drinks Uh, for as much as she complains about the the older system of stuff she's like I like this hot drink and cold drink system. It feels more like a desert because I gotta have to pop the drink, you know. And exactly, like, it's the immersion. Cause she it, likes cause it. it. Uh, she, she she's like, this is a feature I would not mind coming back. She's like, I like this. This is cool. Because like, if if you think about it, right? You have the hot and cold drinks. So why have meat? Why do you need to eat during yeah. quests? Why, why do you need whetstones? Why do you need potions? Why not just be like Dark Souls and you hey, just hey, get, okay. you know, auto-filled? Potions maybe are going too far. <laughs> but you think about it, that's the trail. That's like, you, you just, you once you start rolling, you keep going, you okay, keep building, so you and mean, it's been like this. You mean like have kind of like estheses? So it's just like, okay, yeah, we'll give you 10 like, potions and there you go. What, at like, the start of at this quest. point, why not? They basically, they, they hand feed you potions. I mean, in, in Iceborne, you play the mini game and they give you like hundreds yeah, I, I, of mega I have, potions. I have cap potions that like, if I go play the mini game and they, and I get <laughs> potions, they get automatically sold because I can't have any more in my box. <laughs> I think well, the so cap me and, is me and you know, we're, we're rushing through. It's like, <laughs> we are rushing through four ultimates. So like, we're constantly out of potions. So I'm constantly giving her honey or you know we're trading items and, and stuff like that trying to like just survive i'm like okay you know what i'll do this quest with three potions i'm fine but like see here's you know, uh, 
Here's something that I remember from the days that I used to play through Ultimate with a friend of mine. So this friend of mine would play bow. And he's limited in the amount of things that he can bring. So we would actually organize stuff. So I'm playing Gunlands. I don't need as much inventory space as a bow user. So I would bring in like, um, I don't remember how many you would be able to bring in, but like whatever, however many power coatings I'd be able to bring. I would bring in power coatings and I would trade it to him midway through the fight. I would bring in additional like files for him to craft stuff midway through the fight. And that to me is like, you know, that to me is, is a cooperative thing. It's a cooperative effort. Like I'm bringing materials so that we can be more effective at the things that we're doing. And at the same time, he was better at paintballing monsters because he would be able to do paint arrows. So I wouldn't have to bring paintballs. So I would bring materials for him. He would do stuff that I didn't want it to do. And again, it's like when you add all of this quality of life stuff, you end up losing certain things that were potentially, you know, interesting. And they're like, oh, we gotta, I got to give you this thing so that you can survive. It's like, oh, man, I'm running out of How many times have you seen someone like, oh, here, I'll trade you this in Rise? Never people prob pro people no. probably don't even know that that can happen. They'll be like, oh, I'm running out of potions. I'm going back to the thing. Like, we still did that, me and like two... Oh, that damn. That was a massive train that went by. Sorry. <laughs> me, me and like Didn't two, even hear it. two friends of mine, we would actually like still trade potions to each other because we're playing Generations Ultimate and you can't just like, oh, I'm just going to go back and restock. No, here's some potions. Oh, you ran out of potions? Here's some potions for you. Or you ran out of this thing? Here's this thing for you. Like we would even trade in stuff from like alchemy. Like I'd make alchemy stuff. Yes, alchemy. <laughs> I love dude, alchemy. I remember alchemy. Dude. Oh, I would like transform garbage into something. Like I would put on the alchemy set just to make garbage valuable. I remember that. Yeah. Oh. Oh man. But yeah, it's there, like, there's something that is lost, and that I feel like you know players who who started their journey with Monster Hunter World. And this is not to say, oh, you young kids. I'm just saying that like you know they missed on an experience that you know it was really cooperative. Like nowadays. What do you really think about when you're talking about four players going into a quest? Like they optimize things to such a degree that that you, don't you remember the whole thing that you you I mean I'm sure you remember Gajin, you're the one who said this about like you'd go into a lobby as a prowler and people were like ah oh, no no prowler. Yeah, they it's like, <laughs> they, yeah. Imagine kicking Gaijin Hunter out of your lobby. It, it happened to me just a few weeks ago when I played a, a few quests just for the hell of it and I got kicked out of a lobby. It's it's they said so no cats and they kicked me. I'm it's like, so ridiculous because I can do. I've got three hundred and ninety damage or something. I'm like, <laughs> I'll kill this monster faster than you will solo, and I'm going to be able to bring you potions if you want them, because I don't care about items. Yeah, I'm like really. It, it, but see that that's the thing. It it is because you know it's been going more on that direction of meta, where the only most of the time the only thing that people care about is just like how fast it takes to kill a monster. Right. My like, DPS, for instance, baby. for instance, earlier today, I was I was streaming and I was fighting like Apex Rathian, the the new one, the super Apex Rathian that they've added with the Sonic collaboration. Right. And, you know, I failed like, I don't know, I failed the quest probably like 20 times. I don't know. I must have killed her at around the three hour mark or something because of the way that I'm playing. Because like I'm not bringing the whatchamacallit, the, the ground splitter attack that the Gunlance has, which buffs up shells, because I'm like, that attack is boring. 
So whatever. So I'm going in with like hail cutter and all of these crazy mm. things, mostly quality of life skills and whatnot. Just, just having a good time. And you know, I, I, I do realize like, you know, I can just pick up a longsword, slash her up. Like, and as a matter of fact, yeah. after I killed her with a gun lens, I did that. It's like, it was second attempt. And the second attempt, I killed her, and I was joking around. I was just like literally running around with a longsword, and I'm like, I'm just going to yai counter. Yai counter spam. Like I was trying to learn how to yai counter on Super Apex Rathian, <laughs> and I still killed her. <laughs> and I was just like, dude. Cause, and it's like, yeah, you can do that, but the problem is people just have this hyper-focused meta mentality, and all they think about is, okay, we got to kill this monster as fast as we possibly can. And nobody's thinking about like, okay, I'll, I'll bring this thing for you or that thing for you because the game is just like going more and more in that direction that everybody's just like, no, we play it like this and the only thing that matters is how fast it goes, which is why yeah. no cats got to go fast. It can't turn, it can't turn that bad. Cats are effective. When it comes to speed. <laughs> cats are good. You know what you're doing. You know what I, you're doing. They're good. I remember looking up I, a tier list and they said prowlers were the worst and I was like, I'm a gun lance user. I beg to differ. <laughs> <laughs> but i mean um it's it's interesting though like again with my daughter just seeing like the modern gamer there's so many game choices and so many things vying for her attention yeah that i didn't have when i was a child like you know even 10 15 years ago like when dose came out like it was a different world yeah like so i can see why they're moving in that direction however i think that there is a glimmer of hope for this immersive type of game like world building when it comes to Monster Hunter 6. Yeah. Because that's going I think undoubtedly will be a console experience. Yeah. And since everything has really taken off, I mean it was already popular before World came out, but the idea of shared long like long session shared experiences between players thanks to services like Twitch have become quite a thing. You know? Like going on that long quest with other players, interacting with them, talking to them, planning stuff out. Like we're seeing that with like MOBAs and we're seeing that with like games like Overwatch. Like the more cooperative and the more interactive you can make it with other players, the more engagement uh, trademark you can get and more exposure you can get. Um, so I think that there's an opportunity for them to take a step back in six and say, okay, let's let's make this a little bit more immersive let's make this a little bit more detailed and, and thorough i don't ever seen that happen again with um with the portable series the portable series yeah i just i just i think it's and you know what maybe that's for the better because maybe now they're more clearly defined as different flavors of ice cream you know like you want the action focus like in and out you go for the portable series you want the more sit down for a long play session and really get it out with your friends and go play the the, the console versions you know the ice cream Why analogy there, Jacob. The ice cream analogy. Yeah. Go ahead. As I say, I say ice cream, and both of you were like <laughs> smirking and laughing at me. I'm yeah, like, go ahead, Jacob. The ice cream analogy. Oh, well, I, I just I mentioned it, uh, and people have like they're like that. This is dumb. You're dumb. I, Twitter is an evil place. Twitter is. It very is. Evil. Oh, it is. It <laughs> is. Uh, but uh, yeah, the ice cream analogy is pretty simple. I basically said that original Monster Hunter would, could be described as mint chocolate ice cream, and uh, mint chocolate ice cream is mostly mint chocolate. Like, I mean, mint, but there's some chocolate pieces in it. So I described it like, oh, well, that's a hunting game. That's the mint. But the chocolate pieces are like the action aspect. And as the series has gone on, the product has been molded because what sold better was chocolate over mint. 
And so now we're at the point where like rise would be like chocolate with mint pieces instead yeah. of mint with chocolate pieces. So like the, so the I'm so the happy there's changed. another person who uses ice cream as the analogy because I use it all the time for everything in life. <laughs> But but that's why we were smiling, Gaijin. <laughs> that's why we were well, smiling because like you talked about ice cream, and I'm like, that's exactly what he says in his video. Like maybe I'm just like a 12 year old still in my head, and I'm perverse or something. But like I keep people say that with different strokes for different folks, and all I think is like, you know, like I hear that and it doesn't sound quite right to my ears. Oh god damn it! I'm like, what are you stroking? Like, <laughs> god damn it, Gaijin! <laughs> I I've go. ruined the phrase for you. <laughs> Why would you do this? I, I, Back I really, in the 80s as a kid, we always said ice cream. You know, like some people like chocolate, some people like vanilla. But if you keep eating the same damn ice cream over and over again, you get kind of sick of it. So it's kind of nice to have the variation, you know. I I was going to mention, uh, and it's something I talk about at the very end of the video, and I've been having these conversations on my, on my Twitch, but there are solutions. Like there is... There are new solutions that could be found where we could have both. We could have the immersion while having the new gameplay elements. Uh, but the problem is, is that they're so radical and experimental that some of them really modify what we know as the Monster Hunter normal. Uh, one of the ideas that I had is what if we remove the quest system entirely? Or at least uh, change the quest system. Not remove it, but like change the quest system so it's more like stories. Where you accept multiple quests at a time and there is no quest timer... You head out on a quest and it's this expedition for hours. Maybe you're with like a couple other people and you're out in this field and you're dealing, you're, you know, you're figuring out the quest after quest after quest. You have limited supplies because your supplies are what it, what's ever inside your camp. So maybe you can still go back to the camp and access your supplies. But if there's no farm out there, if you run out, you've really run out. You can't like if you want to head back to camp, then, you know, like, I mean, like back to the village, you can. But this idea of this like long extended playtime if you're out there for like a longer period of time not in these like 20 minute quest little sections there is a solution there the other solutions i had were like oh well if you lessen the prioritization on meta you lessen the prioritization on like oh all the damage buffs and instead you allow the player to oh hey maybe i could prioritize wide range and you'd have more players prioritizing it overall you'd have more players prioritizing you know like let's bring stuff to make combinations easier or you know something like that you'll have more players using that because the the every player will go down the route of least resistance and right now the route of least resistance is <laughs> I high beg crit to differ. go go fast high crit um use the farm because why not like it's the easiest yeah. thing like, if the game is going to offer you like like let's say um in world the game offers you the that the armor set the, the what, what was it called the defender the beginning of world the yeah the defender the defender, defender gear. it offers to, that to you and the, ar a new the player, armor set is not the big deal the weapons were the big deal yeah they, well yeah. the weapons so they will give you those weapons and you have the option you could just you know not use it or you could use it and have a slightly easier time or a major easier time and there's a lot of players that are, you know, like they'll they'll sit there and they'll be like, ah, oh, I'm having a lot of trouble. I could just use this and cheat a little bit if maybe there was like a personal challenge, like they weren't going to use the defender gear. But in the end, like it's the path of least resistance. The more that we give the player the opportunity to go down a certain route, which right now the route is high attack, going fast, uh, don't worry about gathering. They're going to go down that path. 
the more that we remove those features, then you have the choice. You could try to go down that path and that's still available, or maybe you can go down a different path. That's 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 where I've been. And I think like, that the, mm. right now the quest like the way that the quest loop works is like portable. It's like it's a 20 minute little spiel on like the the subway train ride like you just want to get in get it done and you're at work and then on the way back you do another one it's not these long play sessions but the problem is we were still applying that philosophy to the console game and we're still doing these 20 minute quests and you come back you come back after you kill the monster and it's like wouldn't it be more effective to just stay out in the map and wait for the monster to respawn like yeah, i don't know my two cents yeah that's why we've talked about this before yeah like i'm curious whether or not for sixth gen they try like the open world like there yeah. is there maybe there is a quest system but it's more like you're literally just you know you're flying or you're you're walking to the next village and then you get in there and then there's like hey someone you know there's a gypsaros at my camp and i can't go back there to get my stuff can you help me out it's sort of like witcher yeah. 3 or something right and then you could see like two other hunters over on that end you're like hey guys you guys want to join me like i got this quest and like, yeah, yeah yeah and they come over and then like, yeah you just go out and you hunt the damn thing uh and then you you maybe there might be some quality of life you can zip back to the guy who gave you the quest or something but it would be in more open world where quests happened organically it would be a hell of a change of format though yeah but i, th I think that would be one direction they could take that could be very interesting um hmm. I, yeah. here's another another thing that i i was thinking about recently was the whole idea of like the, the high DPS being kind of like, I wouldn't say an issue. I mean, people enjoy it, like enjoy the game how you want. But like one thing that might help with that is if right now it's so easy to break the parts in the monster and, and actually, you know, and still not kill it. Like what if they made it harder to break parts just so like, okay, yeah, if you want a DPS and blow through it, fine, but you're never getting that talent. You want that wing talent? You got to break that wing and make it so that they're not, you don't get a random chance in this is what I like about soul sacrifice. And I hate to mention that game again, because I'm just so addicted no, to it, but go for th it. they have a part break system that is not RNG based, which is amazing. They have a thing where it's like, okay, if you break one of like the, one of the, the major part on the monster, we'll give you two break items. Um, it might be the common one or it might be the rare one. But if you break all the parts in the monster or you break this specific part, then we'll guarantee that you're going to get that part that spell that in, it, so I can go in there and I can spam and kill the monster in probably 20 seconds but I don't want to I actually want to like take my time and I I want to be deliberate about where I'm hitting and what I'm doing and it makes me enjoy the game almost like an old school monster hunter game where I'm like you know I don't want to hit him in the face I want to hit that wing because if he dies before I break the wing I'm not going to get the item I want you know and it just adds for more deliberate combat, which I really like, and I, I'm wondering if they'll find any way to solve that in, because right now breaking parts is not like you don't you barely think about it. You're just like, hey, go after the tail, and like within ten seconds, it's like, whoop, tails off. It's I, like, why is it this this easy to do it? It shouldn't be like that. My worry is that that gets into the territory of like health health inflation. Um, uh, yeah. where it's like, cause people have pitched that before. It's like, Oh, if, what if you make it so it's harder to stagger the monster? But I'm like, well, a player that's not good at the game, they're going to struggle. I, the, yeah. the actual solution is just to dial back the ability to deal DPS to begin with, which is becoming way too easy to deal high DPS more and more in every title. And it's okay for rise because that's rise's shtick. They want to be fast. 
But yeah. if we're going to go into the next game, it's like radical thought, maybe make combos less possible. Like return the combat to one of the older titles so it's a little bit slower. There's a little bit more hit lag on every attack. A little, every attack does a little bit more damage, but it's slower. Um, and then that way people have to be a little bit more deliberate and maybe make the monsters like actually hit more damage. Because I did a video on this where right now low rank and, and I mean, you could do your own experiments. But like I did this video where like a Rathian, if it's charging at you in Monster Hunter 1 all the way to <laughs> Monster Hunter Rise, it does the exact same amount of damage to like if you have the, if you have like 100 defense. I, had, I tested with 100 defense. I just stood there and I let the Rathian hit me. It does the exact same amount of damage. But the amount of damage you can deal to the monster and the amount of ways you can evade Oof. that attack has gone up significantly. Yeah. But there hasn't been a counter on the terms of the monster. I think that like yeah. it is like fundamental. These like little tiny changes have made it so that like we we prioritize DPS, thus the monster health has to go up. Uh thus we're we're just blasting through them. But it's like, hey, we could go back to the old games because they uh just by returning to that format. Like it's it, we just have to find like a good balance. I don't know. Yeah, I want. I think monst I think monster AI and monster variation and attack pattern and power is going to be the next evolution of the series because yeah. you can't evolve the hunter anymore. It has I mean, they to are be already like there's Superman already. It has to be mostly moveset though because um, again today I was doing Super Apex Rathian right and the way that they make that fight hard is like oh you got hit by the tail swipe once. Too bad. Cart. Like, that's it? It's yeah. like, you get hit by the tail well, swipe? Yeah, it's, it's just inflation, yeah, and it's yeah. it's not the right <laughs> way to do difficulty. And, and right? it's like, it's not even just numbers, it's because her tail deals poison, because I'll bring Moxie, and it's like, no, yeah. it doesn't matter. Here's doesn't poison. Matter. Die. <laughs> it's just like, just die. Yeah. And you can, you can kind of survive it if she hits you while she's not enraged, but even then, it's a bit of a struggle, because it's like, You'll survive, but you still got poison. You got to really hurry up, take that blue pill super fast, or you're done. And it's like, like it was it was cool because it was it was challenge. And you know, and you and you're in Rise, we talk about Rise how easy it is, right? You go through Rise to Breeze, you finish the game. It's not even. I mean, sure, for completely brand newcomers to Monster Hunter, people that have no idea what they're doing, it's a great game because they go in there and they get to learn, and they get to learn while they're fighting monsters. So it's fantastic entry point. But for anyone who knows how the game works, I mean, come on, low rank is not even remotely challenging. You just go in there and you destroy everything. Like to me, Baroth surprised me a little bit and he killed me. He carded me once and I was like, oh, the spicy Baron over here. But other than that, it's like you just truck through everything. And so that is a problem to the veterans. It's great for new players. It's a problem to the veterans. So yeah, I, I do think there needs to be additional difficulty, but I think it needs to come from a moveset and not just yeah. from scaling up numbers. And when you mess yeah, with yeah. the moveset and the speed, you then also have to make sure that, you know, all of the weapons can kind of deal with that and that you don't have something like, say, for instance, in Monster Hunter World Iceborne, the Wyvern Stake Blast. It's like, yeah, you, you I, need, I need to put this Wyvern Stake into the monster before I can start dealing damage, but the monster's running around like a headless chicken doing one-shots all over the place. How am I supposed to do this again? Please explain. I'm just, I'm just kind of thinking, like, less in the idea of, like, the monster would have more attacks or, like, they would punish you harder, but more like, what if they reacted to the environment in a very smart way? Like, 
What if Wrath against Steen is that she charges at you in a way that will trap you in corners? Or if she sees you're in a corner up against a wall, she'll then start using fire breasts more often because she knows you can't evade it, you know? Or maybe you're in the shrubs and she hits fire and all of a sudden there's environment damage that you take. So you're like, okay, I got to fight her in the open because otherwise that. But when I fight her in the open, she's got a better eye on me. So she'll do more aerial attacks because she can be more precise, you know? Like that type of smart AI would be, I think, the natural evolution. Yeah. I I love all of that. Those are excellent <laughs> ideas. The whole grass thing, that's beautiful. Like for me, like perfect Monster Hunter is, okay, you guys know the opening of Monster Hunter 1? Like the simple opening with like the Aptonoff, they go to like the river, the Rathalos swoops down, grabs yeah. one. To me, perfect ideal Monster Hunter is I get to experience that in-game. Big open grass field, hundreds of Aptonoff, I have to wait for the Rathalos to swoop down. Maybe I attack it a bit. Then I have to chase it back up to its, like, lair. And that's where I, I, like, wait until it's, like, eating. Then I run up to it. And everything matters. And it's this, like, really beautiful experience where, like, it really interacts with its environment. Truly. Not just, like, it goes from, like, point A and then... Yeah. Like, there's no reason why a Rathian would be away from her nest at night. Yeah. She should be there protecting it, right? But then you also figure... Maybe she's just a hell of a lot more enraged and, you know, during that point. There's environmental awareness, I think, from the monsters part would be in, would be really cool. But uh, I don't know. I hope it, they do that because if it, they just if they keep making the hunter more powerful, then world's going to have the exact same problem as Rise. Um, I don't know if I'd call it a problem. I would just say there's not enough distinction, right, between the two at that point. It's just one yeah. of those things where like to, to give you guys a, a bit of a comparison that's not necessarily the same thing but it was like uh, I, I don't know if you've played world of warcraft jacob i know that gaijin hasn't but like no no you haven't played it either okay so so world of warcraft used to be like you could almost equate it to the original monster which was kind of like slower more deliberate more paced and then it just started going faster and faster and faster and faster and faster and faster and then it got to a point where it's so fast that players would be done super fast with the game. So Blizzard started implementing things that were basically engagement systems to keep you playing where they would force you to do like a bunch of chores before you could actually do the things that you wanted to do. And in a way, you know, looking at the evolution of Monster Hunter, you know, it's not a direct parallel because there's still a lot of passion in Monster Hunter where you can clearly start seeing lack of passion in the development of World of Warcraft. But you do start seeing that thing where it's like, it's faster, bite-sized, go faster, go, 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 right? And it does, you know, that you lose something every time you increase the speed of the experience. You increase the speed, you lose immersion. You increase the speed, the, the hunts are faster, but you also lose the cooperative aspects like what I was describing with, oh, I'll bring this thing for you, you bring this thing for me, and we kind of help each other out, and that's like the base of co-op. Because like, if you really think about it, there's no real reason to co-op in Rise. Because, like, the monsters, they scale. Every monster scales to one. And it's like, it's whatever. No. It doesn't well, matter. You go in there. Even in World, it's the same. It's like, having problems? Go solo. Yeah. yeah. You get more fails. It, it's almost yeah. like, that makes me question. Do you guys think that the monsters shouldn't scale in the hub? Uh, I I think it should be like, like I think that Monster Hunter 4 got it pretty well with like scaling in general i think like the higher the really really difficult quests yeah like you basically have to bring four people otherwise 
Like, it's a very difficult speed run or, like, solo run if you're doing, like, a level 140, like, Apex Raging or whatever. Um, oh, man. But uh, it's still possible to do on your own. Uh, I think that that scaling was probably my... It's my personal favorite. I think that it was handled really, really well. Um, and he, I mean, even in that, in that game, uh, it really wasn't just about the health. I think the issue is because that we've have so many ways to increase dps they have to increase the health in order to compensate for that but before then it wasn't about that the reason why the health didn't you know scale was because the monster was hitting so hard and it was so difficult to hit to begin with that that wasn't an issue there wasn't even a question um and that's why my point of view has always been i want the i actually want to like nerf the hunter i want to bring him down because the more you bring down the hunter the more all those other aspects are going to trickle back up but, you know, if we bring in all of World's quality of life stuff, all of the other clank, like clunkiness of the older titles will be gone, except the Hunter may be a little bit more clunky, but I don't think people would be complaining because the experience would be fantastic. It'd be this, like, cooperative, wonderful experience where there's no scaling. It's all about just working together. I don't know. That's my fantasy. I don't know if it actually works. I, I definitely feel like we've lost cooperative aspect like yeah you can play with a friend then it's fun you play with a friend then you help each other out and it can be faster a little bit but at the end of the day again cooperation is extremely optional whereas i feel like in the previous titles like freedom unite when i was playing with my friend or even three ultimate like i probably wouldn't be playing three ultimate i mean now i probably could play three ultimate solo because i have a lot more experience since i started playing world but like back in the day, I would never be able to like solo three U or even four. I mean, I never even did like the the four U G rank because, you know, I, I just, at at the time I didn't even know what the hell G rank was. I'm like, oh, I finished the game. I killed the final boss. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah, I agree. Like, but how do you nerfing the hunter is is one way to bring because they already have good mechanics in the game with the monsters it's just yeah, yeah they're becoming exactly. obsolete because there's way too many ways to mitigate it like there's so many ways to evade stuff now that it's like i remember back when i started on monster Hunter 3 ultimate the thing that killed me the most when i started was the backstep breath attack from rathalos that thing had me in a pickle for like a week and i couldn't figure out i was like how do I not get killed by this dumb roar? And then he goes and he spits a fireball and jumps backwards and it killed me every time. Then it's just like, ah, cause I don't have evasive ways. I can't evade it. Like it's got an area. If you're stuck there, you're stuck. It's like, do I bring a weapon with a guard or do I bring earplugs or do I just start paying more attention? So I'm not under his feet when he's about to roar. I immediately evade out of the way so that I'm safe. You know, it was, it's fun. It was interesting. Um, but you don't need to worry about that. And even like Generations Ultimate, you're just like, pshoo, absolute evasion, baby. <laughs> it's like. I've, I've always said one of the scariest things that a monster can do to me is back up. The second they back up, I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> like, <that's laughs> Here it comes. He's, he's, he's moving away. I can't like get under his legs and escape everything. I'm done. Um, yeah, my, I just I just hope they don't go down the road. There's some games went down the, like the the route of, okay, we'll have the monsters work together. Like we'll have more mayhem, like more monster two monsters versus the hunters. I'm like I don't want that because I suck at those. I don't know if it's because of attention deficit or what, but like I really suck at handling two monsters at once. 
It's never been my strong point. So I just hope they don't do that. That would suck. I mean, they've actually they've they've gone away from that. Like especially in Rise, like anytime a monster comes, they 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 meet up, they run away. Fight. Yeah, they run away. Yeah, and they run away. And usually you get like a bonus. You can like wyvern ride one of them. Like <laughs> Yeah, they never team up and say like, let's kick his hunter's ass, you know. Um and I mean even in the older games, I mean if you were forced in the room together, yeah, they would basically team up. But uh technically they could still damage each other. So it wasn't totally like a complete yeah. loss. Um, yeah, there was a there was a few uh, arena quests that I I cheesed a little bit in uh, third generation where I just it's like let let let's let them duke it out a little bit <laughs> lower the health for me. I mean there there were several times today when I was fighting Super Rathian that um, a friggin' Rajang would join in and it was funny because it'd be like Rajang would be hitting the head and I'd be like okay I'll stay here on the tail and we'll like tag team the Super <laughs> It was really funny. But yeah, it's um, it's it's just one of those things. It it's, it's definitely interesting to take a look back and to see some of the things that we've lost. That I kind of feel like a lot of people have no idea of the stuff that we lost. Like particular, even I didn't have any idea about like you know I I heard in your video like about the season stuff, but actually talking about it, it's just such an interesting concept that I'm like, dude, I want to play that game, right? I want to play the one with Monster Hunter World graphics, but with those systems where there's seasons there's just like you know there's constrictions to when you can hunt it just sounds so much more immersive and, and i know that a lot of people are gonna because again like if you go back down for instance to iceborne right did you uh go all the way to fatalis jacob me uh yeah. that is the only fight i cannot solo so i've and that's just because I'm a bad player, but like I beat Elatrion. I was, but I, I went to Fatalis. I fought him a few times, and I'm like, eh, whatever. <laughs> I just didn't even try. Uh, but I've I wanted, done everything else. I wanted to ask you specifically about like what were you, what your thoughts are on the Fatalis armor because this was definitely a point where I felt like I've mm. clashed with a significant part of my community where. I don't like the Fatalis armor. I don't like what they did with it. Um, I'm not sure if you've seen the armor, if you've seen the, the skill set. I, that the I, armor I, I'm aware of the skill set. Um, I mean, I've never used it in practice. I know that there are people who also share that complaint where it's like the moment they got it, the game felt like a joke and they didn't yeah, want to it, keep it. It was over. It, it was it was literally like the moment you get that armor, it's like they might as well put a game over screen on there. Because like, yeah, sure, you can star, keep, you can keep hunting. But it's there's nothing that is even remotely challenging once you get that armor, and the the interesting thing that I thought oh, except for Elv, uh, our, our tempered Velcana will give you still a challenge though. Arch tempered Velcana more yeah, than her because she's she's got a timer sure. So arch tempered Velcana I guess is what you would use that armor on, but it's like um, the the thing that was surprising to me was that. I'm, I was always thinking about, okay, I want to go hunt different monsters to do different mixed sets because that is an interesting thing for me to do these different builds. The second, I, and, and you can you can probably tell because like one of the last builds that I put up on my channel, because I would do builds all the time. I'd be like, oh, guys, check out this mix set. I made this thing and that thing. The, the second Fatalis Armor came out, I stopped making it because like everything's like four piece Fatalis and one piece of something else or sometimes even five piece Fatalis and there you go. That's all you need. You put five. And and the interesting thing was that I, I felt like I had this clash with a lot of people in my audience where I was like, I don't like what they did here. And I instantly, in, instantly started losing interest in a lot of things. Cause like, yeah, sure. I'll go in there and I'll kill some stuff and I'll still hunt and it's fun. 
but it's just like there's just some part of the game that is gone because there's no longer any need for me to hunt different monsters because there's this final piece of armor that's the omega thing but most people in my comment sections would be going like no dude i just want to have fun like i finished the game i beat the game and i have this overpowered armor and that's great and i was like I just can't feel that way. And I'm beginning to wonder if that's like a me thing or what the deal is. It's really weird. With You have to remember that any opinion that you have, likely someone else will also have that opinion and that these opinions are ultimately meaningless because there will always be someone who says, well, I have fun doing that. And actually, I was I was going to mention that is something that I um I made a point about in my video and I called out Gaijin Hunter on it because Gaijin was like, oh, it's it's not fun to gather. And he's like purposefully doing it because like, I know you know how to use Prowler. I know that Prowler makes it way easier. Why aren't you doing that? You know how to play this game. You're purposefully cherry picking this footage to make it seem so much worse. It's like a Remobra on you or something. And I'm like, come on. And you're just saying like, oh, no one has fun doing this. And I'm like, well, me existing proves that point wrong because I do have fun with that. Um... And yeah, there will always be people who say, oh, well, I like the Fatalis armor. But at the same time, it's like, dude, if you want an overpowered piece of armor, just like hack the game. Get like a modded <laughs> armor set that's like super overpowered. Yeah. Like, what's the difference, right? So to me, it's like, I don't really want an overpowered armor set because it does feel like I'm just modding the game. But to some players, they want that. And they want it in a way where they don't have to mod the game. Let's say they're on console, right? They're not on PC, so... Well, at least they chose the right monster to do it to. I say yes. I agree. If they're gonna if they're if they're if they're gonna give you something that is just like okay, the the keys to the car, like okay, congrats, you beat the game. That was a good way to do it because at least that in for most people, it required them to engage with the end game system, the augmentation, and they pretty much had fought everything up until that point. So at least they just like unlike the Star Knight set back and forth Ultimate. I don't know if you guys remember that one. Oh, my God. I remember that. The USJ one? Yeah. Oh, man. It was like the... It, it was everything you'd want in a Blade Master set. And it was just like nothing came close. And so, like, you just ran Star Light. That was it. Star John, Knight. Boom. The John Cena set and... Um, so the John Cena set is not broken because the defense on that thing is yeah, horrifically is really bad. bad. Yeah. So it balances out. There is but some, I think that's more of a, um, I think that's just a, a byproduct actually of both the decoration system and I yes. just, th- I think that's like the main culprit here. And then the other culprit is, I think, that second skill they gave it where it can unlock the secrets for everything. That was just stupid. Um, They could have, they have max health and stamina at all times. That's great. Have great defense, have great slots. The moment you start saying every set bonus is now built into this thing, you, you are negating every single set. Like, if you want Divine Blessing 5 for some more casual, not casual, but more less stressful hunting, which I like, why am I not using Golden Rathian? Why can I, I can do everything with Fatalis. Yep. But at least they chose the right monster. So, like, I'll, I'll, I'll let it slide for now. But it was, yeah, you know. So tough one. I want to ask you something that it's 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 a little bit unrelated, but like, um, what weapon do you main? Me? Yes. Uh, I I mostly prefer charge blade. Uh, there are times where I. What were you What were you gonna do? Were you gonna call? No, me no, 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 he's no, he's waiting for longsword. That's all. Uh, that's. I, I, oh, I'm I just happy it's say, not a longsword. <laughs> I do really like longsword. 
You know I do. Which I which which longsword though? My favorite longsword, like like per game, my favorite longsword is like second gen longsword. That is my favorite longsword. Back when there's no spirit levels, you just build up your red and you use it up. You build up your red, use it up. There's no roundhouse slash or whatever it's called. Spirit roundhouse. Spirit slash. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, I don't know the names. Yeah. I don't Round know. slash or something. It's I don't... It's... Yeah, I, I I like that. And I would love if the new games, like, still had a lot of, like, the same moves. But if you, like, remove the spirit levels, maybe brought down the amount you can, like, spam some of the attacks. I think Longsword could be a really, really great weapon. I think that simplification is needed for a lot of weapons. And then uh, I think there would be less... Um, I don't know, there's like stigmas around like longsword and even like bowgun. And so Yeah. Uh, yeah. Charge Charge Blade is a good answer. And what is your favorite monster from all of the series? Like all of the monsters from all the stuff that you've played. Which one's your favorite? So for like the longest time it's Legiacris. Um I have Legiacris uh, I mean, is really good. I, I have a little Legiacris plushie. Yeah, this won't show up in the oh, in true. the yeah. The thing, he's, he's, show, he's showing up the loggy plus the loggy plushie yeah um and he's he's always been my favorite ever since like the intro for monster 3 i'm like this is the coolest monster ever but slowly creeping up behind him has been kieran uh for oh, God. a number of reasons yeah I, I saw why you you had a video yeah i was like i want i want on. i want kieran in rise and i was like why isn't kieran in rise and i was really upset that kieran was in rise i've been like farming kieran in all the different games that it's in uh, like one of the main reasons, like the only, I think the only reason why Monster Hunter 3 is below Monster Hunter 4 for me and like my favorite is because it doesn't have Kieran. Like, um, I actually mm. really like that fight. It, it tests me and it tests my patience. And that's what I, I that's what I, all I want in a fight. I want to fight. The that reason why it's not really rise is because you wouldn't be able to see it because with four people hitting and all the hit effects, <laughs> you wouldn't even be able to see the monster. <laughs> It'd just be a floating ball of hit effects. Oh, that's so <laughs> There's true. a monster in there somewhere. <laughs> At the speed um, people go and and rise, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, that's a pretty unorthodox pick. Uh, no one ever says Kieran is the, one of their favorites, but it, it's it seems like you have a tendency towards lightning monsters. That's for sure. I do. So I also that. like Rajang, and so. I mean, look. Here's the thing: people might not like fighting Rajang, but ever since World, I'm pretty sure everybody likes seeing Rajang just beat the crap out of everything. Yeah, he's fun. He's funny. <laughs> It's, it's just cool seeing like this tiny ass ape just like going up against literally anything that's in the map and he's Elder just like punch his way through it doesn't care he's like yeah i'll punch you i don't care he's like well that's that i'd like to see him against fatales like that's fatales like i don't care <laughs> sounds like uh, a, good, a monkey in the eye you know well, sounds then, like a good place start- for me to <laughs> you start getting into like the ecology conversation and that is a conversation i'm actually like i want to be more a part of because like yeah w- like once you start getting to like the specifics about how the ecology of monster Hunter works it doesn't make any sense like I, it really like devil joe on like an ecological standpoint doesn't make any sense and like they say oh he like destroys ecosystems one you can't really destroy an ecosystem unless you have like a forest fire like, uh, like Devil Joe does not destroy an ecosystem. And two, his mouth is not designed to eat anything. Like, it's so impractical. His design is impractical for eating. So, like, yeah, it, it, stuff like Rajig, it's like no, it's that, just a that monkey. Actually, how could it? How could it take out an elder sense. dragon? 
No, but listen, that makes sense. His mouth is poorly designed for eating. That's why he's always hungry. That's why he always <laughs> wants to eat more things. Because his mouth is not properly designed. For... See, they thought of everything, dude. 100%. They, they thought of it, yeah. yeah. They're thinking three steps ahead. <laughs> for the chest. I mean, Rajang, Rajang has a pretty out there ecology as well, right? Like, it unlocks its electrical potential by eating the horns of a Kirin and... Then you, you think about it, like, well, how does a Kirin get its powers, then? Is yeah, it a, is it a carnivore? Because how do you get that much energy, right? Like, it, it doesn't add up. It really doesn't. Well, doesn't, Kirin's yeah. an elder dragon, so they don't have to explain it. It's <sighs> like, we boring. don't have to explain how, we don't have to explain how this one works, because he's an elder dragon. You don't, you don't uh, need to the know moment the details you get into, like, you go into, like, story details, that's where the whole series falls apart, and uh, yeah, that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> like, I, I talked about. I, I it. hope. I hope they never do that. I hope they never say, "Let's double down. Let's talk about the ancient civilization." No, let's yes. not do that. Let's no, go. No, no, no. no, yes. no, no the equal because, dragon. No. Rule. no, 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 no. <laughs> the more you keep it a mystery, the better it is. Can, can the you more beep you keep, that when you say like beep? The so more you keep people guessing. The more you don't have a story, Monster Hunter works better. The moment you introduce a yes. story, it falls apart, which is why World its story is baffling and Rise is it's like horrible. it's also like, huh? Ibushi and Naruto, how does it it doesn't make any sense? And like if you really think about it, like you approach it like step A to step yeah, B, it, it doesn't make any sense. It's bonkers. Uh so like, why it's does, better. So so why does the story in four work or do you not like the story in four? I like the story in four. Four works because I mean, part of it is the fact that it's it's very like it's told through like dialogue boxes. It's not all up in your face. It's there. It really is like a mystery to it all. And there's this whole theme of like cycles and there's this message in it where it's like um, I, I'm working on a thesis for it. So I'm, I'm going to say something <laughs> yeah. that I don't. Well, think... I'll, I'll, well, I could say from someone who's just recently played it because I, I mean, I, we just went through it. The thing that I think was more interesting about the fourth story was that it focused on the human to human relationships. Yeah. It focused more on like, it was less about the monsters and more about just the daily life of everybody that was in there. Like, you know, even like hearth, like, yeah, there was a Tetsukabra or something blocking in the magma. Like they had functional reasons why certain monsters need to be hunted, but there was culture and situations behind these characters. And so when you make it more of a, just a, a general like human experience, then, you know, there's no need for superhuman characteristics, right? Even the ace commanders and all those guys, they were all deeply flawed people, right? Yes. Like the ace cadet was an idiot who had bad armor on or rushed into stuff. You had the ace commander was horrible communicating and had PTSD from his situations with his old mentor. Like everyone was just a realistic character. And then World tried to like double down on it's all about the Elder Dragons, the Elder Dragons, the Elder Dragons. I'm just the Elder like, Crossing. None of this makes sense. The Elder Crossing. Oh my God. It doesn't like, make any sense. And they have like, and they just overtell the story. And I'm just like, I can't care less. Like, oh my gosh. And then Rise is, like you said, logically, it doesn't make sense. Like, my daughter, who's obsessed with Ibushi and Narwa, um, is like, yeah, this makes no sense at all. <laughs> like, the. The notes make no sense. She's like, she there would had to have been this many of them in the past. Yep. This doesn't yep. add up. And she's done all the math, and she's like, this makes no sense. And then I told her last night, and she she spat out her drink, and I, I we ended up 
having an accident in the house because of it. Um, because I, for some reason, I always make her laugh when she's drinking something, and I, I need to stop doing that. <laughs> but I said, I was like, oh, I figured it out. I was like, because we were talking about how illogical it is that Ibushi didn't find Narwa. It's like, he's right there at the beginning, flying around the village. He's got a f- direct phone line with Narwa between the two sisters. He could just say, hey, where you at, babe? I'm over here. And it's like, okay, you could say, okay, well, she's testing him. He has to show his manlyhood to yes. get there. Like, no, she ain't. She's longing for him. No, she's not. She can care less about she's him. Longing and he's for just a having snack. fun. Bl- exactly, right? So it's like, so I said, I figured it out. And she's like, what? I'm like, the skeleton of the old Narwa in the volcanic cave. She died because she was too busy waiting for Ibushi for too damn long because <laughs> he never came. <laughs> He's having too much fun with the damn villages. And oh. and she's like, none of it makes sense. She's like, this doesn't make sense. I was like, exactly. It's like they, they do it best when they show little nuggets and they leave it open-ended. It's That's when it's at its best. I, I talk about where, it. Where something like Dark Souls is like amazing is that only do they just give you the nuggets, but... The nuggets, if you start to connect them, actually create something that's cohesive, and you're like, "Whoa, they've got a backstory." But Monster Hunter, no. I I, I was going to mention something that I mentioned in the video, and I I think this is good to good time to bring it up. Is like I, I try to break down, I try to analyze what Monster Hunter Two's story is because it only briefly kind of tells you the story of Monster Hunter Two. Really, is just about building up Jumbo Village, helping out the village, being their hunter. But along the way, it's solving the mystery of the tower. What is the tower? Where is it? What's going on? And also dealing with Lunastra. Um, well, you just ask Anderson. He knows. <laughs> Who's Anderson? <laughs> Sorry. Shh, the director of the movie. Yeah, the movie. The, <laughs> oh, no. the ruin the tower. Uh, they called it the Sky Tower. I don't know why. Anyway, yes, um, it's, it's, a, it's a radio comms, but yeah. So throughout throughout the throughout the game, you fight Kashela Diora. And uh, it's this grand battle that's over many quests. Like it's three quests you got to fight him in. Finally take him down, and you're like, I did it. Then when you go to fight Lunastra, you find her at the tower. And of course, at this point in the game, you've been trained to just gather as much as you can on every single quest. So of course, you're gathering on the tower, and you're like, whoa, I'm mining the tower, and all I'm getting is Cashella Diora scales. Why is the tower made <laughs> out of Cashella Diora? Then you start to piece together, oh, wow, this whole tower was built by someone, and they built it out of Cashella Dioras, which means at some point there was thousands of them, they were all killed and turned into a tower. So then you start thinking, but the people who lived there, they died out. It was like all their work was meaningless. And now the Lunastra lives in their in their work. So it's like they 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 like triumphed over nature, but in the end, did they really? Did they really triumph over mm. nature? And it's like that's the message of Monster Hunter. It's like Yeah. More no, DPS does not mean good. It's <laughs> the end of your civilization. <laughs> exactly. It's like it doesn't matter how many Kashaladara you kill. In the end, you will still die. Something will kill you. So it's not about gloating. It's not about rising above nature. It's about understanding that connection and like mm. learning to live with it. Because if you do that, what's what's there to gain? Nothing. Uh, and like the, in, in on the vill- on the town side of things, and this is explored more in Monster Hunter Four. They build Don Dorma, but Don Dorma keeps getting attacked by. The Elder Dragons. <laughs> it's like it's in a bad spot, and it's because I mean this is reflective on how humans are. But humans uh, in our life, we like to build. We like to just keep building. We never stop building. And the more that we build, the more we disconnect from nature, and the more that nature starts to attack us. 
And so, like, I would say, like, you know, climate crisis, stuff like that. That's that's yeah. our elder dragons. That's that's our elder dragons coming in and attacking us. But that that's where you start. I wouldn't call it political because it's more of an environmental thing. But that's some deep shit, though. Yeah, and that's I think true. that Monster Hunter has an actually a wonderful message about that, but they they stop exploring it. There is a yeah. message there, a great message about like this is how you live on this planet. This is how you live with na- nature or chaos, because chaos is nature. Yeah, I hope like one thing I think would certainly interest Rurikon here is what if the next Monster Hunter takes a step back, looks goes back more to the nature roots, which is why we. We, in general, like the Netflix show, even though the the story and, and stuff was a little mm. weird. It wasn't like the Anderson stuff, which was all fantasy BS crap. Um, but, like, what if we take a more intimate look at the guild and the interaction with the nature? Yes, and the, workings of the guild. The guild. Yes. That would be... that. There's a lot of good stories there because it, it talks about the fallacy of man. The guild. The guild. There's the some shady to, shit going on in the guild. So yeah. They are so flawed. They are flawed organization. They talk about yeah. it in the movie. They they say like you know I, I messaged Don Dorma. You're not gonna get back to me. Uh, like it's it doesn't work. There's issues there, and it's such a great thing we could explore, but we don't. Yeah, because like again, going back to Soul Sacrifice, um, <laughs> the reason why I like that game so much is because it does exactly that. It not only do you get the interpersonal relationships between you, the like the hunter, and like the major characters in the game, and they all have their own personal things going on, which is fine. You get to learn about the organizations that each one of these people belong to and just how deeply flawed all of them all are, regardless of intention. And it's just, it, it makes you really start to really think, what is the greater message here? And there is a greater message. And in Monster Hunter, there always has been. And like you said, it's been lost. It's like respecting nature, living. I mean, the whole guild symbol is is supposed to embrace that. Yeah. But they don't even, they barely talk about it. It's just like this, like it's one line of NPC dialogue. That's just thrown away like, we care about nature. Now go kill everything. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? Like, why isn't there a quest where we protect a monster? I'm curious. There monster is. That's stories. what I liked about the, that's monster what I, well, stories. I like the Witcher quest. I like the Witcher quest because you, exactly, you worked with quest. the Puke Puke yeah. and you had to protect it. And I really enjoyed it. Because it showed a cooperation between like the people and the hunters. So they keep talking about, oh my god, a monster is going to destroy the ecosystem. It's gonna. I hope they don't ever use the word ecosystem again. <laughs> like it's so like. No, I got some bad geez. news for you, guys. Hey, listen. <laughs> and like That's definitely the ecosystem. They've so it's just like. It's like they, they talk like, about the thread, but sorry. they never show it. They don't actually talk about it. Like I would love to see like. You know, just a poor ass. Like Rathian's always getting picked on the poor, the poor thing. Why aren't we ever defending her? Why are we just going? We slaughter them both. We don't even care that she's getting attacked by these monsters. Like it's just, it's all about the hunter, right? And it's like I don't know. I think there's some stories that could be told there. I, I a simple solution for world was just make Nergagante a good guy. Uh, Having Nergagante take down Sharish Valda was awesome. And then immediately they're like, let's go kill it. And it, you're like, what? No, it, it takes down Elder Dragons that attack us. What what are we doing? What are we doing? It's so backwards. Yeah, I know. Um, and so, like, there's that. I mean, Monster Hunter Stories, you know, they were exploring the concept of protecting monsters. Yeah, uh, yeah which is, I love the story. So it's possible they can write this. Um, what if Monster Hunter 6 is the combination where they inter- introduce... Instead of introducing new weapons, which everyone wants, 
What if they introduce riders? Riders and hunters working together. It could work, but I don't think they will. I don't know. I haven't mean, I mean, I mean, thought gimmick. about it. It'd be a fun gimmick. Uh, it's rough. It, 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 it depends. It depends. Like if if you're going like to FF fourteen, right? The MMO is you want your rides. Like that's a big thing, right? Well, I mean, the rides are the means for us to travel from a place to another. That's pretty much it. That's that's where it uh, ends. <laughs> it's like I ride a Rathalos, but you know, then I unmount when I'm about to go into combat. That's how that works. But it's like yeah. I'm I'm just thinking if they limit the size of them, that's one thing. But like if you're just gonna have a full grown Rathalos in the middle of a fight that's weird Some someone's modded that into yeah world, have you I guys think. tried that mod yeah because uh, nope. i've tried the mod and it's fun it's definitely fun but the issue is once you start actually fighting the other monster it's a little bit overwhelming uh, like there's a lot going on the other like even if the monster is a little like your monsty is a little bit smaller it's still overwhelming like it's you know it's attacking you it's hitbox is pushing you around uh and I would assume that with three other players, that is not going to be a fun experience. It's like yeah. you're all get, de- ganging up on the one monster. I think like a simple solution, like, I don't know, like you could like maybe ride like a Velociprey. That's it. You know, yeah. like a Boldrome. When are we going to get, when, when are we going to get a Meowster Hunter game where you, it's only told from the perspective of the felines. I'd love that. And it's a, and you, you fight as the cats, you live as the cats, you see how the monsters, like the Kongalala, like, farting on them and being an asshole to them, and Monster Hunter 4 you is really funny. Only and if like, they sending can, help for each other. Only if they can wield gun lances. Otherwise, no deal. What if we get... An- yeah, get, give, them, give them little weapons, but make them really funny, you know, like, like <laughs> Palico or, like, you know, feline-related. I don't we know. We just need an HD remaster of the feline village games. Uh, like <laughs> Those were so good. I want to play it so bad. I've never played it. I've always wanted to play it ever since I saw it in like 2011. I was like, this game is so cute. I want to play it. It's cute. Made it's like it's from, an, it's from Animal the makers... Crossing mixed with Patapon, made from the makers of Dark Souls. <laughs> from the yeah. Makers of Dark Souls. <laughs> so it's true. From software doesn't mess around, dude. <laughs> it's such a good game, though. It's make good games. That's it. <laughs> But yeah, but even that game had the same charm because it was more about the, the the interpersonal relationships between the characters, and none of it was like overblown to like, it's the end of the world, you know. Like I hate when games and movies do that. It's so stupid. It's like the stakes, the rest of the world, I can give a shit about. I mean, like it's, make it more personal about these characters. It's interesting because that's one of the things that. Um, you know how if, if you ever talk to anybody about Final Fantasy, they'll say, oh, Realm Reborn's kind of rough, but then when you get into Heaven's Word and the other expansions, then it's really good. And I, the other day, I don't remember who I was talking with. It's been a while, but there was this discussion where it was like, it goes from, you know, in Realm Reborn, a lot of it is about, oh, all of these things are going to affect the entirety of the world. We're all going to be affected. It's all one big problem. And then... Once you start getting into Heaven's Word and the other and the other ones, it's more about characters that your character interacts with, and the story is not about is more about those and how the events that are unfolding affect them, and that hits way closer to home. There's like, oh my God, this affects the entirety of the world. You're like, oh, okay, yeah, sure, I guess I'll save the world. But then when it's happening, oh my God, this person you really like is gonna die. You're like, wait, what? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's it's way different. We're I guess we we as human beings are just selfish in nature. It's like, oh no, I care about this person. Rest of the world, not so much. 
you know, something that's really not really happened in Monster Hunter, aside from a little bit in Monster Hunter 4 and stories, is having a character admit that they've made a mistake. Like, I just want to see that in a Monster Hunter game. Have a character just say, like, I was wrong. I made a mistake. Mm. And I have cons- there's consequences to that. When does that happen? <laughs> Never. Because everything is always uppity and good. We just got to kill that animal and we'll be fine. Where's my Dragonator? <laughs> Where's my Dragonator? <laughs> Where's my Dragonator? Yeah. And their only attempt at, at doing that type of self-reflection was the general, and I hated how he was done. Mm. I really disliked that. Mm. I thought he was an ass. From the like, wow. from Fatalis, you mean? From the yeah. Fatalis quest? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't like that character at all. I thought they they did it wrong. Mm. But Maybe. Um. Okay, one more question about those. Okay. What was the end game like? Uh, well, since I haven't played online, I don't really know what the end game is like. But let me tell you, the end game. Since I only played a little bit, it's it's just the same thing, you know. It, I mean, the fun. end game is, yeah, it's just you live. Enjoy the game. You live in yeah. the game, uh, because it isn't just about clearing the quests anymore. It's because, like, it doesn't matter if you cleared the quest. It's all about just living in that world, and I think that that bodes better for like an online experience, like transitioning to an online experience, because yeah. at that point you've already had all the experience. At that point, you're just having fun, and I I, I have an issue with uh like even Rise how they like have this story all the way through the game, but like high rank really should be, should have been the end game to that game. Like low rank should have been the main game, end game should have been the high rank. No one would complain about the end game if that happened, and that's how it was in the older titles. Uh, I mean, Monster 3, Monster 2, uh, Monster Portable 3rd, like, the endgame really was just high rank. I mean, you could say it's after Imatsu, but not really. The game gets really hard in high rank, and once you're at that point, that's when the endgame really begins. It's when it's the quest grind. It's just collecting stuff and having fun yeah. and just enjoying being in the world. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, if you have a game like Monster 2, which is full-on on the immersion, yeah, like, it's like, or even Monster 3, I would play you hours. Don't need an endgame. After after I beat the final offline boss, I would just go free hunting, and I would just enjoy. Yeah, my I mean, time. basically, it's just a. I think these those games work better because the the full game is more like a tutorial. Yeah. The 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 end game goal is to just have access to everything, and then once you've unlocked it, then you play the game until you're done playing the game. Yeah. <laughs> <And that's, laughs> until you're bored. You don't need an end game. It's just, I mean, the moment I, you the moment you add an end game means that you're going to inflate shit. Right? Yes, because you need to encourage people to interact with it, and I don't like that. But the thing is that that is what the community kind of wants. They want the end game. They want you know they want to they want the investigations want that we had back in World and all of that stuff. I kind of. I think I I think that the solution would have been just make high rank harder, uh, make yeah. high rank the end game. No one would yeah. be complaining if the game the was... entire the entirety of high rank. So, like, say for instance, like you do, Great Azuchi high rank, and his armor is actually useful as opposed yes. to just like you know nobody uses. Yeah, well, so I hope they do that with Sunbreak. That's my my hope is that G rank is like Master rank is just everything's hard, yeah. everything's viable, everything's cool. Just have fun collecting it, and if you've made everything in the game. Well then, just have fun playing. Like, then congratulations! Done, yeah. that, it, there doesn't have to be an end game, you know. I mean, they can have a simple augmentating system if you just want to, like, you know, subsidize a little, like they did for you, right? Like you just got like an orb or something. But like, that was purely optional, anyways. It was just a little thing. I mean, I don't, I don't want a loop. I don't want. 
to feel like I'm, I'm, you know, I've neglected the game. I'm now too far away. I don't want DLC monsters to feel like, you know, they have, they have to take on this idea that, okay, people are engaging with the end game, so to say. So like, we're going to, is that's what ultimately what monster stories too love the game to death. It's a 99.999999% perfect rating in my book. I loved it, but I hate how they did Fatalis. I hate it. Absolutely hate it because they just assume, oh, you have grinded and grinded and grinded and grinded and grinded the end game to the point of boredom, and that's where we're going to set everything, and I don't agree with that. At least Fatalis in World, you didn't have to augment. Like, Yuna beat it, and she didn't have an augment on her weapon when she beat it. It was harder, but, you know, she did it with other people, which I think is fine. I think it's, it's the point of Monster Hunter. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I think um, I think that Monster Hunter 6 could definitely benefit from reeling it back a little, and I think we can all agree with that. It's like we don't want to constantly go Zoomer Monster Hunter mode. It's just like, oh, super fast, mega, go, 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 got to go fast, got to go fast. Like, need to slow down a little bit, enjoy yeah. life a little bit. And I'm I'm curious to yeah. hear from from the audience on this. I think that this episode is going to be very, uh, not controversial, but very like divisive. Polarizing? I think there's going to be yeah polarizing. Well, everyone's gonna, got a different yeah. People have a different opinion about this stuff. But, vastly different ones. But it's 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 interesting to to talk about it, and particularly to hear about all of the dose stuff because like it's it's insane. It it feels like such. Even though it's in the same franchise, it feels like it's an incredibly different game, and it's a game that I would like to play. In a more modern engine. I don't want to go back to, like, yeah. the dose engine. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so I want to personally thank you for, for making that video because I imagine that must have took a very long time to make. Dude. It did. I mean, uh, um, <laughs> the original script I wrote, like, back in 2018, but, like, I shelved it. And originally the original script was World is Bad, but then I shelved it, oh. deleted it. <laughs> time went on. I played Monster Hunter 2. I watched a couple of videos by different content creators. Um, and I realized this is a conversation that has not been told yet. I'm yeah. going to base it around Monster Hunter 2. A little, a little inklings of World Bad were still in the video, which sucks because, like, I don't think World is bad at all, but it sort of, unfortunately, stayed in there, and so some people are like, you're a boomer, and I'm like, nah, nah. It, it's funny um, that uh, out of, out of the three of us here, you'd be the one to be called a boomer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm the oldest, I think. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. I'm just an old. I what am I? What are you? Aren't you I'm like a rel- I'm a relic. I'm a relic. That's what you are. No, I'm forty. I turned forty-one in January. Okay, well you're close enough. <laughs> <laughs> but no, anyway, I, I I absolutely adored the video. It it killed me to see people look at. I mean, it's it says review on it. I mean, you know, it's subjective. There's no such thing as an objective review. And it's like, it was so interesting to see the point of view of someone who actually played Dose and like sharing that information, just learning about it and how different it was. I loved it. And so I recommend it to a lot of people. And I was like, when I saw some people thinking like this was a argument and you were, or a debate that you were putting up there for the world saying, I would like you all to say whether you agree with me or not. (laughs) It's like, no, so shut up, people. Like, hard disagree, man. What the hell? You're stupid. It's like, uh, what's the point of telling people that? It's like, yeah, okay, you have a different opinion. Great. It's, I mean, um, it's, I, I think it's everything's not a question, you know? 
I think it's interesting because I personally, a lot of times, whenever I see a video that um, disagrees with one of my opinions, I want to watch that video because I want to see if maybe I'm wrong about something like, you know, so that's oh, yeah, why, yeah. why a lot of times I'll click on videos that are very different to what I think is correct because it's interesting to see the other viewpoint, not because like, ah, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about, ah, dumbass. It's like, like that's, that's not interesting. It's interesting when, you know, people cause you to, you know, question stuff, which is what... Yeah, know, so I, I, I liked I in the see. video, you, yeah. if you guys want some juicy stuff, you, you actually took like two swipes at me in that video, which I liked, I appreciated. How dare um, you? And <laughs> they the were, second, deser they the, were the deserved. The second one was not intended. I, did, I was like, I don't know, I think it was him. I don't even know if he even said it. And it was you that said it. So the second one was not intended. But uh, yeah, the first one <laughs> is I called you out for saying the gathering is not fun. Uh, and the footage you were using was, I was like, that's not a good example. Uh, and then later on, you said like, oh, your first Monster Hunter game will always be the hardest. And I'm like, I hard disagree because Monster Hunter 2 is harder than some of the things, I, some of the end game, like like low rank, early low rank, like Plesioth in, in Monster Hunter 2 is as difficult as a Latreon. <laughs> like, like, maybe not that the same but yeah i'm like the same but level. we've already established that monster dose is not the same franchise it's not it's, it's, different it's not the same it's totally different. <laughs> but uh oh, but i i I, I, I love the video and i hope that everybody who listens to the podcast it's a long video so you can watch it in pieces or something but i hope they check I it mean, out i, th I think the cool. i think the audience of this podcast is clearly the people that would like to watch that video because i mean we've been going for almost three hours too so there you go <laughs> I, mean, I, I should warn i do have some really radical thoughts in there some really game changing like oh i think we should remove all attack skills and they're like what no <laughs> but i'm like i yes bought on my heart except i think artillery. yes Yes, uh, except, except artillery. Well, actually, my what I think we should do is we should put all attack skills into the weapons. So, like, oh, maybe you get this weapon; it happens to have artillery. I don't know. It's something to talk about. Yeah. Um, but you like, don't, you don't sound like a true. You don't sound like a true hardcore charge blade user who would say, "I think we only need the charge blade. I don't think we need any of the other <laughs> other weapons." Honestly, no, it's got that's everything. not fair. I do use artillery I'm god joking. in Monster Hunter Four. <laughs> I I go full on artillery. It's it's the way to go. Um, but you the know, other, I have some other like radical. The, do you know what the founding was for the creation of the charge blade, which we learned not even that long ago? What? Wait, what? What is this? <laughs> What? What is it? No, the 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 design behind the original charge okay. blade. I don't remember exactly who who the director was. Do you remember the okay. name, Gaijin? You probably don't as well. But the basic, because like Socks asked him, the guy who created the charge blade, yeah. he asked him why he made it, and he's like, "I thought that the sword and shield sucked, and I wanted to make a better <laughs> version of it." <laughs> That's the reasoning for the charge blade. <laughs> That's toxic as hell, by the way. <laughs> I just yeah, like to point that out. It is. That's pretty toxic. <laughs> uh, but also pretty funny. I, but, uh, um, yeah, I, uh, I, want, I, I wanted to quickly say, like, yeah, fair warning for those to watch the video. Yeah, there's some really radical thoughts, especially near the end. I start comparing uh, Monster Hunter Worlds. Uh, like, I start comparing Monster Hunter Worlds to the, to the concept of, like, colonization. Uh, and some people did not take lightly to that. They're like, why are you putting shoehorning politics into the thing? And I'm like, uh, they literally call a place El Dorado. Like, you're directly referencing 
uh, when we were when you know like the Europeans were colonizing. So like you can't you can't just say that they were never thinking about it. No, it was a direct reference. Gold rush. Yeah, like it's Get it's all horns. there. Anyway, it's like whatever. I have a lot of crazy thoughts on that, and don't take everything with a grain of salt. Don't be like, what is he saying? It's like uh, I'm I approach it from the point of view of not someone who plays meta. I approach it from the point of view of someone who just wants to see a game that means more beyond just whatever rises. Not sure about the colonization part. <laughs> yeah, everyone disagrees. That's maybe a little bit too. That's maybe a little bit too radical for me, but sure. Yeah, but either like way, I, I think the, the the important thing I, I I think is also that um, one of the things that I like to promote with these podcasts is like, listen, it's important to be able to talk to everyone, even if someone has like maybe a different opinion or whatever. And not have it just divulge into a friggin' Twitter spat that that kind of feels like that, that kind of feels like that's where every online discourse is going. It's like, oh, he said something that I don't agree with. I hate him forever. That's it. It's like that's it. Hate him forever for what he said. But anyway, um, there's gonna be uh, links. Quick question, actually. Go, go for it, Jacob. Um, so let's see, because you're on YouTube, Jacob with a K, J A K O B. Yes. Um, but you did mention. Twitch, but the thing is, I didn't know you were on Twitch, and it's not—it's yes. not in your profile on YouTube. <laughs> I don't know. I have so many different social medias. It's just Pikmin <laughs> Jake. If if uh, that because that's my old Twitch name. I might change it so it Pikmin says Jacob Jake. slash slash Monster Hunter. Uh, but like my my like old username is Pikmin Jake. But I'm I'm trying to phase it out and become just Jacob or Jacob Dawson, like my full name. But yeah. we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. It, it's. Cool. I will have to. I'll. I will find you on Twitch. So I can. If you can you. find me on Twitter, <laughs> then I like post. I'll be like, yeah, I'm going live. Uh, but hang out. But like what, my what Twitter name is Pikmin, Pikmin Jacob Jake? because the original Pikmin Jake name that account was terminated because I accidentally yeah, said something bad. that went a. I went a little bit too far and I said something that I shouldn't have said. It was a joke. It was absolutely a joke and it was justified within the context, but Twitter did not handle it so. I was terminated, but uh, oof. <laughs> okay, I found you, so that's good. Um, yeah, but thank you for on uh, short notice. Uh, people may think that we plan these things out like well in advance, and as we've said many times, <laughs> we just wing this shit. I got so, dude, like I got the message at five a.m. this morning, and I'm like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh okay, <laughs> let's, let's do it. And uh, I, I was like answering messages while I'm at work, like uh, let's let's do it. <laughs> It was I'm it so was sorry. it was particularly funny because like I I sent him an email and then he replies back oh I'm probably not going to be able to make it because it's and I'm like okay so I start setting up the show to be a completely different thing and then like about I don't know I think thirty minutes before we start recording or something I realize oh he's messaging me oh wait he can do it oh okay well let's change everything wait. again. <laughs> That's about. And then I over and then I oversleep, and you guys have to call and wake me up. So. Oh yeah, I, it was. I mean, the, it the was, waking the waking you up, Gaijin, is just like a ritual for us at this point. Yes. It's not the third few podcast if I don't have to be woken up to do it. I have to say, it's been a real pleasure being on this. I've really, really enjoyed this conversation. This was awesome. Thank you so much. I'm, no, I've enjoyed talking to you so much. It's. Been I'm great. glad. I I enjoyed it as well. It's really fun to learn about like dose and all of the other stuff, and just like even talking about you know, the stuff that we could potentially have. I mean, not we could have, like, we're going to make Monster Hunter 6, but <laughs> it would be exciting to have some of those older features come back for yeah. Monster Hunter. 
But um, I'm going to have to find your Pikmin stuff because after hearing the story, no, 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 I'm really, I'm like super interested. No, 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 It's literally me playing with the Pikmin dolls, like the little Pikmin plushies. But like, I mean, sounds awesome. I mean, the stories, yeah, they're like space epics. They're all like space adventures. They're like flying around in spaceships and fighting gods. But like, it's still me playing with toys. So like, it took a great assault. I still play with toys. I still think it's. Ve- I still desk. think it's just very creative that you were doing this by like the age of eleven, which is insane. <laughs> but um, either way, guys, as per usual, there will be links in the description to Jacob's stuff and obviously Gaijin's stuff as well. Jacob, what's the? I mean, you said you're going to be working on some for you thing that you're doing. Yeah, I'm working uh, on a follow up to the Monster Hunter Two video, but this time it'll be about Monster Hunter Four. So we'll see how that pans out. I don't think it'll be three hours, but it'll hopefully be something worthwhile. So we'll see. Yeah. So make it'll sure probably take me subscribe. like a year to make it, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, it'll take him a while to make it. But in the meantime, you can still watch the three hour video on Monster yes. Hunter Dawson. Remember, don't take it too seriously and don't get offended. <laughs> but, it, but it's a fascinating look into a game if you have not played it, because there's a lot of interesting footage you put in there. Um, so at the very least, it's a great, it's a great study case for people to, to look at. Okay, so I'm gonna give you a warning because usually uh, when we oh, finish, yeah, we don't it, tell anybody. We never tell anybody, but I need to start giving this warning. So when I do the outro, yeah. I'm gonna do this, and you get to say something at the end. Literally anything that you want. Well, maybe not anything that you yeah, want. Anything. Like within reason, <laughs> something within reason. Basically, thank you all very much for watching. If you guys enjoyed it, hit the like button. If you did not enjoy it, hit the dislike button. Not that it matters because the bar is gone so nobody's gonna see it if you if a tree falls in the woods and nobody's there to hear it there's a really you know anyway thank you all for watching we'll see you guys in the next one stay strong stay safe and monster to rise actually sucks sorry (laughs) i can't believe you said that that's so dirty i love it i love it